Welcome to this interseason episode of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers Ward, and joining me, also as always, is Matthew Stockton. We sequelizers are weak creatures. Even if I burn my notes, everything is still in my head. As long as I'm alive, who can say I wouldn't be coerced into podcasting again? That's accurate. I imagine we're just going to be podcasting as like Futurama-style heads in jars in the future. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait till I'm a head in a jar. It'd be so, so much less sweat, you know? I, like I hope the else. water's cool. Oh, that's a good point, Tim. What is the temperature of their head in the jar? Uh, I, I think if we're experiencing heat death of the sun, that water's boiling. <laughs> <laughs> touche, touche. And the man who wishes he was a head in the jar right now, it's Tim Matum. Ladies and gentlemen, we New Yorkers like to believe we've seen it all. What you're going to see right now will shock you beyond belief. This is uh, footage we have that indicates that there is a sequelizer loose in Manhattan. Dear God. <laughs> I think you, you've both been to America. I have not. Yeah. Either of you been loose in Manhattan? Uh, no. I, I don't wear underwear. And I've been to New York. <laughs> is, that, is that what that means? Yes, that's absolutely what it means. Then yes. You've climbed the proverbial Empire State Building. I, I've been up it, yeah. <laughs> I've, no, I've never been loose in Manhattan. I've been slutty in San Francisco. <laughs> but, you know, there we go. And I've done nothing in the US yet. That sounds like such a threat. <laughs> I'm well aware. Well, a lot of things threaten the US when we're talking about kaiju. Oh, oh. Because we're talking about big monsters this week. Big old monsters that wreck cities, wreck planets in some cases, wreck entire dimensions in some cases. Mm. We're going to talk about some Japanese kaiju, obviously, the origin of that word and all that kind of thing. And then also talk about maybe some, some kaiju movies you wouldn't, expect to be kaiju movies because we like to be controversial here on sequelizers we do feel like it's got big monsters in it it's a fucking kaiju movie so it's big boy season exactly <laughs> big boy season on big Sequel. boy hunting season <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about the history as we do on these in-season episodes we'll kind of go through the history and talk about some of our favorite kaiju all that kind of stuff in the first half and go through basically the last 70 slash 80 years depending on when you're measuring it and in the second half, we'll get into our picks, as I said. Some Japanese, some not-so-Japanese. And we've actually gone out of our way to pick one Japanese example and one non-Japanese example each. So we'll get two picks in the second half. And no Godzilla. And the rule was no Godzilla. Because exactly. we'll be talking about it so goddamn much. Yes. But no point. The, the big green lizard boy is unavoidable and is going to be probably dominate a lot of the first half and talk about the history and the origins of so much of this stuff that we thought we'll exclude him for our picks in the second half. But before we get to all of that stuff, let's go to patreon.com slash sequelizers, shall we, gentlemen? Give a little thank you to the lovely people on Patreon who make us able to make this entire interseason episode. <laughs> I think it's like, make us exceedingly make, rich. I mean, I like, we are most definitely not. <laughs> for the record, we don't see a penny of the Patreon money. We don't. We reimburse it all into making our merch and upgrading our equipment and paying for our web hosting and all that kind of stuff. It, genuinely, the stuff goes in. We always say this. The patrons keep the show going and elongate the seasons and keep it free for everyone else. That's exactly what they would do with the money. We do yeah. the money. Sorry. It's, it's not like we just go, ah, 
We will eat well today, boys. <laughs> it's a whole thing where, like, the patrons are the lifeblood in many ways. In the same way that, you know, the, the natural disaster that is Godzilla is like harnessing the lifeblood of the planet. You know what I mean, Matthew? I think I know what you mean. I it's don't know if it's working, but you know what? Let's go with it. Because that <laughs> makes us Godzilla. Sure. Let's go with it. Yeah. 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 They're the nuclear fuel to our Godzilla. There you go. Yes. That? Capitalism is the, the nuclear bomb that <laughs> facilitates it and is questionable. Yeah, let's keep yeah. going. It's fine. It's I mean, fine. It, that works. That let's works. Just, let's just pound this metaphor into the ground like Gojira pounds Tokyo. Oh! Thank you, Tim. And if you'd like early access to these episodes, you'd like more nonsense fucking analogies like that one, if you'd like ad-free episodes, if you'd like bonus entire episodes that's right you get three uh, interseason and you get three movie commentaries when we get round to the main season which by the way is coming up real soon we're coming up to season 11 and here's a little tease for you folks i haven't even got permission from the other sequelizers to say this we're doing a movie commentary for episode one of season 11 i'm gonna give you permission to say that jack thank you very much non-patrons you have been notified subscribe now to get not only what we watched recently, which is one of our most recent exclusive episodes as part of, in, of the interseason. Two more exclusive episodes as part of the interseason and the movie commentaries coming up. And as I said, it starts early with episode one. We've done it before. We'll do it again, goddammit. And of course, you can get exclusive merch. We are working on that as we speak. There's been a delay, but we are working on it. Don't you worry. As is the delay of the world in general. You know, there's a lot of... yeah shipping delays and all that kind of shit but we are working on it and you can also get discounts on everything on our store we have a patreon exclusive discount code you can also access and if you go up to the 30 pounds here or higher you become an executive producer and in fact this week is an executive producer pick from the people on the highest of the tiers that's right, we've done two already this in-season. We'll, again, have more in-season 11 coming up as well. Picks from the top three EPs. And this week, it is in fact an EP pick talking all about Kaiju. The EPs for this week are Marcus Lindstrom. Jonathan Firth-Clark. Stuart Main. Josh Van der Sluis. Hyper Dude Man. Xenos. Philip Morgan. James McDowell. And the executive producer who has asked us to talk about Kaiju this week, Josh Miles. I feel like this is an apology from Josh Miles. Josh is kind of thinking, absolutely fucking not. They forced us to do Paul Blart. No, no, no. I, I'm <laughs> convinced it's just a sense of, I want to do this. Everything is based on selfishness. <laughs> <laughs> and it just happens to line up that they asked us to do Paul Blart first. Entirely. And then almost the apology of like, you're going to have a great time talking about Kaiju boys. I, I'm, I'm not sure I think of it as an apology and more of a like... Uh, like a sucker punch it's like here's Paul Blart 
oh, no, I'm being really nice. Here's Kaiju. And then here's the thing I've got lined oh, up for next season. That's an excellent that point, Tim. Without revealing right. what's coming up on season yeah. 11. Trying to lull us into a false yeah. sense of security. Mm. Josh Miles has We been have a healthy relationship with our Patreon supporters. <laughs> Specifically the three EPs that pick. No, we don't. They're, they're often bastards to us. It's true. But thank you for your support, patron. Thank you for support, <laughs> executive producers. As I said, you make the end season possible. You make the main season possible. You make all the lovely technology and stuff continue. And uh, yeah, you allow us to talk about things such as kaiju. So let's dive in, shall we? Like the proverbial Godzilla underneath the waves. Oh, So let's talk about some simple um, uh, origin stuff about like etymology. The word kaiju itself means strange beast, and it is a subset of the tokusatsu genre. Tokusatsu basically means special filming. And essentially that means visual effects. Stuff that includes, it's live action stuff that includes a lot of special effects yeah. in mm. Japanese pop culture. And that basically. back then meant practical effects, yes. miniatures and explosions and all that sort of stuff. We'll, yeah. we'll get into a lot of miniature discussion and a lot of blokes in suits. Yep. Because, oh yes, that was kaiju for still today, uh, yeah. forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the point. It's, it's become such a tradition that to do it in a different way, you end up with, uh, I mean, this is sort of, way down the line you get pacific room where you get cgi creations and it's like can you make it look like it's a guy in a suit yeah. like yeah we, uh, we can why because you know i want to replicate this guy in a suit it's like sure um so just to clarify kind of what jack said we're going to mostly be talking about japanese kaiju films and their influence on international cinema rather than all monster movies. Because if we get down this dark road, we're like, well, does that count as a monster? When is a hike kid kick in? That sort of stuff. We've also already country. done a monster episode as well. We have. So. Because, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's so many things where it's like, well, that counts, this counts, that counts. This is a very specific subset source. Yes. Um, and it, again, we're not going to put, as we usually do, an extreme clarification of what that means. Because I think there's a lot of things we've picked later. Uh, like, well, that counts. It's something we've dipped into a couple of times already. So just got the our own podcast feed in front of me because I'm a narcissist. As I mentioned, we already talked about movie monsters. That was all the way back in Inter Season 5.9. Wow. Which is two and a bit years ago, by the way. Early pandemic, isn't it? That was early pandemic. Yeah. That was May of 2020. And then, of course, far more recently in May of 2022, we talked about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. We mm -hmm. fixed that bad sequel. So we have actually covered a few different things. We also did Pacific Rim Uprising as well. Yep. We've covered Kaiju in a few different ways, including you fucking maniacs crossing the streams. <laughs> the stream was dying to be crossed. <laughs> and it was epic and ridiculous. Yeah, and we yeah. even did the final like cap off of that sequel in the Cliffhangers episode. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about Kaiju. So yes. as, as Matt was saying... A lot of its origins are in Japan, the origin of the word and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But something you said before we started recording, Matt. Yeah. Arguably, King Kong is the first kaiju movie. Now, it's an interesting and thing. And a lot of people are going to go, hold on, what the yeah. fuck? Oh, my God. And get furious at us. No, you're absolutely right. Because <laughs> um, there have been monster movies and what we now call kaiju movies as long as there have been movies. In different forms. We talked about it in animation on mm. cinema, that sort of thing, in the early days of animation. Um, it's the case of bringing something to life that is impossible, that only cinema can do in a way of absolute spectacle, etc., etc. And throughout history, uh, through folklore and mythology, there have always been giant rampaging monsters that are mm. impossibly tall, 
behemoths yeah. that are either indifferent, unaware, or just vengeful, whatever it needs to be. There's all mm. kinds of stuff that humans under threat from this adversary that is um, usually an ancient thing that's coming back or yeah. a, a new being, you, whatever you can it is. You go back to the epic of Gilgamesh or Absolutely. Zeus fighting Typhon and stuff like that. Yeah. There's like so many examples across the world mm. of big shit is scary. Yeah. Um, but as far as cinema is concerned, there's two key leading examples. They all come up a bit, but they're not the prime example here. And this is an interesting divide here for me, um, which is then sort of scrubbed out by CGI. In 1925, there's The Lost World. It's a very iconic uh, uh film and it was done by willis o'brien and he's a strong pioneer of stop motion sort mm -hmm. of clay motion stuff and one of his uh, assistants on another film was ray harryhausen who exactly yeah. <laughs> um but willis o'brien and ray harryhausen very much pioneered that and that was the and, and by the way in 1933 uh, o'brien was working on king kong there we go and the two of them ended up kind of defining visual effects in america uh, of, of that scale and that level from again its inception in the 20s and, and that sort of early days of silent movies to the 90s if we're yeah, honest yeah that's we've always had been like mm. you know if, if, like in robocop and um other bits and pieces in the <laughs> 80s and 90s you end up with sequences that are still stop motion it's only when Jurassic yeah. Park says like no we can probably do this computers now and puppets and the sort of hints of all these if you throw enough yeah. money at it mm. um but before that it was uh very much the the stop motion thing and that's carries on and and you think of like a lot mm. of the sword and sandal stuff for like Jason and the Argonauts and like Simbad kind of and all those sorts of things. Simbad, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. where you get the skeleton warriors and they're all yes. creepy mm. and weird and like Talos and Talos and towering Talos, over for example. And, yeah, yeah. Mm. exactly. And you get that kind of stop motion effect there. Yeah. I find it fascinating that, you know, that is, as you said, that's the thing that prevailed for so long and really kind of embedded itself in Western culture. But the Japanese side of things, as we'll get onto, yep. the blokes in suits thing is still weird to me that like it carried on for so long. Yeah, it's such a different approach to it, but it's like it's almost like two different solutions to the same problem almost. Very and much. I find so. it fascinating how they then start blending together, and you get both mm -hmm. in some movies. Mm -hmm. Of course, we then will get onto the advent of CGI and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. as much as we seem to be doing this every episode this in season. Diving back into the we history are, of cinema. Yeah. It's like the history of cinema interseason, basically. Mm. And going through there, there will be a test at the end of this list. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked so much, especially in our robots episodes and stuff like that, about the technology that goes into all of this. Mm. And I think that's something that's gonna come up again and again in this episode because it's so key to so many of the movies, their success, mm -hmm. their mm -hmm. influence, all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, Jack is absolutely right. It, it, it's it's the fact that Japan, and we'll go through the reasons why in a second, took a different route. And while the option was there for them, and the, it became a case of the public like it, why would we do it differently? And it's mm. something we're doing that is quite unique, even though it was also kind of being done by other places, but for limited, you know, limited appeal. So once we get through the 30s and 40s, obviously there's a war on, don't you know? Um, you get to uh, the 50s. And Japanese cinema is in a really weird place. It's a bit of a golden age, in fact, because you get past uh, all the propaganda films like, you know, Ozu and, and Kurosawa doing some you know, very prominent, amazing filmmakers, but doing like war propaganda because mm. of course you did. You're making things for the country. Get in line. That's how, that's how countries work, obviously, during wartime. Um, and then it was like 
during American occupation, you're going to make certain movies, nothing that would be glorifying the country or its history and nationalism mm. and so on and so forth. It could be considered uh, a national pride thing that could spark rebellion, et cetera, et cetera, all those sorts of things. And then that sort of shifts and changes, and you have a handful of studios, uh, Toho and Dae specifically. We'll talk about those two quite a lot. And they're producing big films. Uh, Toho, in the same year, produces Seven Samurai, and Godzilla. And I know Jack always bangs on about 1982, and rightfully so. I do. 1954, not fucking bad, though. <laughs> Those two movies in the same year. Not the same day, though. That's the difference. That's the thing. Because <laughs> um, no studio wants to go up against itself, in theory, or it shouldn't do. Um, but yes, those two films are, are literally two, it's, it may be ridiculous to say, country defining films mm. where you're like oh films of that uh, uh, sorry uh, films of that country you're like yeah like seven samurai and godzilla uh, the, you know samurai and that big lizard boy mm. it's like yeah that's been the thing for 70 plus years so godzilla comes out and it's like right early in 1954 there is what's called the daigo fukuryu maru incident which is when there was a nuclear test going off and because america's obviously testing and we were, uh, French Polynesia, all these tests being happening around the yeah. world about nuclear bombs. Because um, it's like, well, you know, we're into the Cold War and I have to just keep setting these things off bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And they kind of didn't anticipate how big this bomb would be. And this one fishing trawler got kind of caught up in it. And there were huge radiation burns and fish that had mutated and been warped and mm. all that kind of horrible, horrible stuff. And then they, oh, we needed blood transfusion to keep these guys alive which gave them hepatitis. And it's like, what the f Nightmare shit, mm. right? And this was all very much in the public consciousness. And they were already trying to make this big monster King Kong style film and said, we can probably cross these things over. That's why the opening scene of Godzilla is, you know, this attack at sea and these fishermen are all mm. wiped out in that way. It's, it's, it's living memory. It's why when Godzilla was first released, it was quite controversial. It's like, you're being very exploitative because of what we've gone through as a country. Yeah. And they're like, no, we're not. We're coping with it. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, uh, argument both ways. It'd be like if the Spielberg War of the Worlds came out in like December 2001. Yes. <laughs> As opposed to three years later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a little after. Yeah. So that's, that's so recent. And they said, right, well, we can make this movie and let's really talk about this. And I said, okay, fine. The Americans using stop motion. We can do that. Okay. How long will it take? Uh, seven years. The amount of Godzilla in this film, it's going to take seven years to do this. I'm like, Christ, we're not fucking doing that. Because obviously they're, they're limited in terms of money, in terms of capacity, in terms of budget. Like, okay, well, no. What's the alternative? And it was a method called suitmation, or the Japanese word, suitmation. And I'm not stopping, that, that literally is the borrowed That's word. That's not my being racist and yep. doing a Japanese accent. A lot of words in Japanese tend to be mm -hmm. borrowed from English and then given essentially like a Japanese pronunciation, right? Yep. So many of the, yep. you add that ooh sound after hard consonants and all that kind of stuff and you get mm -hmm. things like that. So yeah. do, do bear with us on this episode. Yeah. And you're like, that, that sounds ridiculous. Like, well, that's kind of how Japan's been for the last, to be fair, a couple hundred years. Um, the blokes in suits. Yeah. And so they and are, ladies in suits. Yeah, it's, it's basically saying incredible. that, you know, you're putting somebody in a giant, very heavy, very well-made suit and you stomp through a set and it's filmed at a higher uh, frame rate. So when you slow it down, it looks more big and behemothy and slow and so on and so forth. And Godzilla was unsurprisingly huge uh, and terrifying as an experience. Uh, it was released in cinema, did really well. 
Um, made a shit ton of money, obviously, because it was a huge spectacle piece, but it was very somber. I mean, that people forget the first film is obviously this big allegory. It ends with a with Dr. Sarazawa saying, no, this, it, it's not, it's a silly thing to say. Godzilla's obviously the main talking point, but it's really the fact that Sarazawa has made a special type of bomb, the oxygen destroyer. It's like, if we get this, everyone's going to want to use it. Yeah. And that's why my opening quote is like, even if I was to like burn all the notes, it would still be in my head. And therefore, someone could make it. So you know what? I have to die with this thing because that's how it works. Because it's, it's that allegory. It's the idea of like, you know, uh, this is the, the, the wrath of nature on mankind, the wrath of our own hubris and blah, blah. So this is huge. It does really well. It gets released in America as well. And Americans go, that's cool. Really wonky, botched version. Yep. Most There's a lot of that happening. Absolutely. When the Japanese stuff comes over to here in the West, so much of it is either poorly translated, poorly dubbed, both terrible localizations, often like bad transfers, literally of the actual oh, yeah. film that comes across and stuff like that, playing things at the wrong speed, transferring things onto VHS poorly. There's some famous examples of like VHSs from the like early 90s and late 80s where you had to like wind them at a particular speed or something like that to actually play them properly mm -hmm. it's a big old mess and that's even before we get to like actual special effects stuff going wrong and going weird and that's a really important part of kaiju history the distribution mm. because in japan it's got a very strong history and it, it's part of the culture and it's a really big thing mostly now it's seen like you know oh yeah obviously for nerds and children but that's arguably what we say about a lot of genre Hello, that's films. Us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nerdy children. Yeah. Um, but when it's exported, it was always given like, uh, it doesn't matter. What's it called? It doesn't matter what it's called. Fuck that. What about the story? It doesn't matter what the story is. I'm just going to, we'll have a guy look out a window and he's been a reporter and he will have, you know, some Japanese American dude, but probably just basically Asian American dudes and say, that'll do. Problem solved. And he'll just report on what he's seeing and we'll watch him tell the story. It's like, that sounds really dumb. Yeah, well, who the fuck is watching this film? Um, it's not stop motion. It's not going to look good. And of course, this version did look very good. It's still, you, now you go back and look at these things, it's like, that's yeah, a dude in a suit. But um, mm. it's like saying, yeah, I can see it's CGI. Of course you know it's CGI. It's, it's impossible otherwise. Um, so That dinosaur's not real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one I always enjoy is it, the 1960s in America where they were doing the same thing. We had like a cowboy trying to lasso a goddamn... Uh, pterodactyl kind of thing. Mm. You're like, oh, Harryhausen doing a good job there with the old, uh, you know, stop motion stuff. And then you'd have other films like, oh, what's this? Well, we we sellotaped uh, some plastic to a lizard's face. Yes. And we're making them fight. You're doing what? Yeah. <laughs> so, I forget which year it is, but a Lost World it's adaptation. Lost World, in the 60s, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. I remember seeing that as a kid. Because classically, uh, this was in the 90s. Jurassic Park 2 was coming out and it's called Lost World Jurassic Park. Like, oh, we got that. It's like, no, you definitely don't. Yeah. It's like some lizards going, and it's like, oh, they, they look like they're in trouble. They're biting each other. It's like, yeah, they're actually going to kill each other. <laughs> also, that bit appears to be falling off. It's like, yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah, that's, that's battle damage. <laughs> that's what that is. So from here, Toho kind of dominated and they had obviously Godzilla. They then released other original monster films like Rodan and Varan and Mothra. And it just became this like, we're going to keep punching these things out and they could make them very quickly because they were cheap to make. You'd erect the set, you'd have someone stomp through it, you'd smash it to pieces. And, you, and, and I should point this out because people forget this about these movies. All that smashy stompy stuff 
is about 10 minutes of film. Yeah. The rest of it is usually a story about some kids in a school or a reporter or a guy a military guy in the military. Yeah, it's, yeah. Al- it's always yeah. the same stuff. And that's fine because it's an engaging story. But you you remember the big monster fights, but it's not actually that. So whenever people moan about, oh, this monster films are really boring. It's like uh, either then or now. It's like, yeah, but they've always been like mm. this. You just fast forward to the end bit. Um, so yeah, Toho very much ran the show. And then you see slight imitations. So you can see like America doing kind of stuff. But Britain, weirdly enough, in Europe, we, we do a few of them. We do uh, Gorgo and Conga, and they're both shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of them has, oh, what's his name? Is it uh, Michael Goff, the guy who is Alfred? Alfred, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, Goff, he, yeah. I think he's in Conga. Yep. And I'm like, what the shit? Um, but yeah, we do our own version. And again, the Americans are going very much down a stop motion road. So during what's called the Showa era, which is a very loose term. These are based on Japanese era, based on emperors. It's from 19, arguably, arguably 1954, all the way to the late 80s. And for that period of time, much like we're talking about how stop motion was king, in Japan, suit motion was king. That was, that was it. It's like, well, why would you do it any other way? Because we're punching these things out so quickly. Yeah. Should we stop on that for a second and talk about how many fucking movies were coming out? It was like <laughs> one, two, oh, three Factory times a that year. Shit. People complain about the MCU and like superhero movies and stuff at the moment. Like, oh God, it's another fucking Batman. We've just had another Batman. Oh, I don't need another Avengers movie. It's like, just imagine living in the 50s when it was Godzilla, then Godzilla Raids again within like nine months of each other. And then another one six months after that. And then another one nine months after that. It is exhausting and incredibly impressive. Like you said, Matt, how they were able to kind of churn these things out and... There is, there's totally that element. I think for me, um, and I know we've talked about this when we talked about the Godzilla episode and even when we were talking about Pacific Rim, the kaiju movies I tend to enjoy, and specifically a lot of the Godzilla stuff I enjoy, tends to be the stuff where the human characters are actually people and have dimensions and you actually care about them. As much fun as a lot of the smashy, smashy stuff he is, you get cheesy bollocks and terrible acting or whatever the fuck it is when it comes to the human characters that's such an off-putting thing for me and i know we talked about shin godzilla you even had that as your unequal sequel i actually did um shin godzilla is obviously on the the polar opera end of that the most modern japanese godzilla movie and then coming back around to early godzilla they kind of parallel each other which i think is fascinating where you have oh this is a very like political very um analogous movie where it's talking mm. about climate change and all that kind of stuff we were just talking about nuclear war and nuclear bombs and stuff it's like yeah it's the same shit yep and the fact that they are able to i think when it gets to that kind of it's mostly smashy smashy that's when it kind of lost me for a bit because to go into my side of like growing up watching kaiju movies i remember watching my dad made me watch the original Godzilla, of course. It was like Seven Samurai, Godzilla, you know, my dad was introducing me to <laughs> Kurosawa and all the early, um, that kind of stuff, like mm-hmm. 50s. Your dad only yeah. allowed you to watch films from 1954. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I'd have done all right for a while, to be yeah. fair. There's plenty to choose from. It's very true. <laughs> 20 Godzilla films. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. And then coming through, I watched a lot of the stuff that was coming through in like the 80s, where you get like, destroy all monsters and all the silly bollocks that happens later on in very the, camp stuff the very very camp stuff is what i grew up on 
and I it never really clicked for me. And my one of my picks later on, here's a little tease for you, in the nineties. Mm. Oh, there's a little tease for you. Was the one that like kind of like brought me back into it after that exhaustion of just I can't watch another bloke in a suit punch another bloke in a suit through a cardboard <laughs> fucking Empire State <laughs> Building or skyscraper or whatever it is. Mm. And I think the fact that we kind of flip-flop between those kind of like obviously there's plenty in the middle there as well but even outside of godzilla the genre as a whole always seems to kind of seesaw for me between like oh this one's actually about japanese bureaucracy and you're like okay and then this one is just fucking stuff punches each other and that's we talked about this a lot in godzilla king of monsters because that's why i don't like that movie yeah the human characters make no fucking sense they're like well, they're eco warriors, and I'm like, okay, so they're evil. I'm like, mm, mm, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's how that works. And then the latter half of that movie is just smashy, smashy, and lots of fire and clouds and smoke to obscure all the CGI stuff. Yeah, see, this isn't actually an experience that's very unique to Jack. A lot of people go through the same thing, myself yeah. included, because you get a very clear descent. On a repeated thing with with uh, with reboots, so what you'll get is, um, and this isn't just Godzilla, by the way. This is true of Gamera and other bits and pieces. Absolutely, and there's tons of ones that are like, right, what's this about? Well, the first one is serious. Okay, fine. What's the second film? And as we've experienced with so many sequels, we mentioned this in a previous episode. Well, let's tone it down a bit. Let's make it for the kids. Let's yeah. uh, get some more money out of this. Sell some more toys, especially in Japan, selling toys. Um, what does that mean? Let's just make it more dumb and camp and silly, a bit mm. more fun, a bit more comedy, a bit more like menacing mustache twirling aliens as well. It's like, oh, okay, sure, why not? We'll do that then. And after a while, you get this sort of, I don't think it's a fiscal fatigue. They're still making money, but we're like, oh, I don't know what we're doing here. And then they have a reboot. And they're like, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back and make it darker and more serious like the first one was. And they produce, produce like usually another one, we'll go to specifics in a minute, but they'll produce one and it's like, okay, this is it's being serious again. And then when the three or four films, we're back to some, you know, fucking Highland Smashy, smashy crab monster. Absolutely, absolutely. And that mm. doesn't always go badly, but it's sometimes like you, people get fatigued with it. And again, some people say, no, I don't want this miserable bastard shit. I like my smashy monsters. Other mm. people say like, I don't want this camp nonsense. I want to feel something. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, like, part of the problem is it's much easier to make a film that is just smashy, smashy s- spectacle. Yeah, two um, Power Rangers and Super Sentai and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, especially once yeah, you've Again, got... I grew up on Power Rangers, as we talked about before. That was my intro to Japanese mm. film and TV in general was Power Rangers. Yeah, once you've got that studio system in place, it's very easy to kind of rinse, repeat that because you go, okay, right... Well, you know, we, we, we've established this level of spectacle, but special effects technology is improving. So now, like, the laser breath looks even better. And, you know, we can have this bit where Godzilla jumps up really high and then lands on something. It's like, great, that'll be the big, like, the moment that it's everybody the remembers. Move. It's the new thing. Uh, and it's then like fucking pro wrestling. Uh, you yeah. know, and then we'll design you know, a new monster. And it'd be like, oh, okay, this time it's got, you know, a really tall head. Um, Try jumping on this motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> um, whereas producing something that has compelling human drama as well as 
the big spectacle that people want. That's a very difficult tightrope to walk without it getting I think like if you try if you try to keep doing that it would get very depressing very quickly mm, and that's true. the other thing to remember uh and I think this this has to do with post war japan to a certain extent and the fact that they couldn't have an army they could you know they they yeah. all these strictures put on them by the US and and the the allied powers and stuff like that is that very quickly Godzilla became the hero. This is true. Um, and became a thing where the audiences wanted to see Godzilla be powerful, be a friend of the Japanese people, essentially, and obliterate their enemies in a way that they couldn't perhaps represent in other ways due to, you know, the, the kind of geopolitical situation at the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, Gamma very famously had a song that I don't remember the fucking lyrics to at all, which was about he wasn't called Gamera, the friend of all children. Yes. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the space turtle? Yeah. But, yeah. The one whose holes go on fire? Yeah. Kids love that shit. It's like, I mean, should they? Yeah. <laughs> it's no. like, yeah, they do, but also. <laughs> yeah, but it's not a good thing. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's the idea of like, I, th I think that, that, that really astute comment there, Tim, about the fatigue. If you go dark for so, I mean, we know this from all kinds of things released recent with regards to, you know, revisionist westerns or superhero movies. If you just all grim, all dour all the time, you can have a lot of that and it still works. But if you do nothing but that, people go, ah, I can't be in the mood to watch that shit again. And there's only like so, there's only so many things that Godzilla can be a metaphor for. <laughs> That's true. You know, and we've done, there's been some very interesting interpretations, but if you had the same amount of films coming out and every time you were either doing the same metaphor every time, it's like, oh, he's the atomic bomb. Okay. Yeah. yeah we get it. Or like, oh, okay, this time he's climate change and this time he's this other thing and this time he's this other thing. It's like very quickly you're going to run out of things that make sense for Godzilla to represent or Godzilla to kind of yeah. be a, a totem for. You get really on that one core arc or concept or backing of it all with a character that cannot really speak and have an arc because it's not, in essence, a character. It's a, it's mm. a presence. It's, a, yeah. it's an impact. Um, it's an effect. Mm. But to have that repeatedly, you've got realistically three or four movies. Yeah. And after that, you then go, well, we need to pivot and make this new. And that's where you get the, no, no, he's a hero. And that depends how quickly you go to the whole, he's a hero business. Yeah. Um, it's usually a reluctant, like, no, 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 let's, let's let them fight, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, it, I mean, and then you end up with situations of, well, as you said before, he's got a long neck. It's like, well, what do we do now? Um, oh, oh, shit. What if the next one could fly? What do you mean? Well, Godzilla can't fly, can he? Mm -hmm. Good point. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. We'll do that. What about yeah. the next one? He's like a war of escalation at that point. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if he has like really sharp hands? Mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> what if what if he was like Godzilla, but also a robot? Yeah. And a spaceship. What if he was like going around with Godzilla's face on, fucking shit up, and then goes, actually, haha, I'm a robot and a yeah. spaceship. It's like, sure. <laughs> Sounds like we're making this up. And he needs a big dog to help him. Let's just make yeah. a Godzilla, baby. Yeah. And the thing is, again, this is the key point of the kaiju film thing. Godzilla was doing all the stuff, and it's kind of like the MCU this today, where it's like it was setting the pace. It was setting the tone. Everyone else was following suit. Mm -hmm. So as I say, Dai Studios 
Um, who's by the way, Dai did like Ugetsu and um, Rashomon. They were a huge, mm. and they, they did yeah. this whole Zatoichi thing. They're a huge yeah. fucking studio. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like it was like some sort of pretender. It was like another major Japanese mm. studio. Yeah, definitely. And they did um, uh, Gamera and Daimajin, and to a lesser extent, Yokai Monsters. But Gamera especially was the whole like, oh, well, that's the other one. Yeah. It's the big tur- flying yeah. turtle because mm. it can do a thing that Godzilla can't. Um, and, and the it- Showa era stuff is. Yeah, and and the the thing that Godzilla tended to bring in everything else from Toho as well. Yep. In that it was made a Mothra movie. Let's get him in. Mothra was a success. Uh, Okay. Well, now Mothra appears in the Godzilla movies. Yes. Made a Rodan movie. Rodan works well. Okay. Now it's in the Godzilla movies. It was a fucking cinematic universe. We didn't even realize. There it is. Sixty years. Exactly what it was. (laughs) Um, And it's 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 fascinating how they again. It was this fact that it was all in house, all controlled, and all very quick. Um, So you could whip through these things, and they just carried on being this giant presence. Fuck a better phrase. And then you get a bit of fatigue, and then technology updates, and then we get to the Heisei era. Now, the Heisei era is basically late 80s onwards. And like everything, you know, society's moved on, changed a bit. Japan's gone through an economic, economic boom and recession, all that kind of stuff, and so on and so forth. And the Heisei era, i.e., let's face it, 89 onwards, the 90s, basically, what we're talking about, we see a handful of interesting things. Um, so with regards to, I say, like the world, in, you know, globally and things like that, we've had, you know, all these imitators, but they're not really been much because America's doing its own thing. We start getting more science fiction films and robots and, and big monsters, but they're, they're doing their own, their own way, as it were. And even King Kong came over and had a crossover with Godzilla because it's one of the things they wanted to do their own version of it. And there's other versions of Japanese King Kong and all kinds of stuff happens there. Heisei, and again... Depending on when you, sometimes it's up until 2016, sometimes it's 2019. Some argue it's 2014, but whatever. Point is 90s. Um, we do that thing of his established continuity that had not been done before. Godzilla just turned up and did some stuff. Cinematic universe, very much so. Serialized storytelling. Yeah, who knew? And you get revised design. You get some of the best fucking Godzilla designs. Yeah, there's some really cool, really weird, unusual designs. Yeah, big bug eyes are gone. It's now like a actual, very animal face. It's like quite terrifying. Uh, overall, it's very darker. Uh, essentially, reboots of Godzilla and Mothra and Gamera. So all these, this is the thing. The studios are all doing it. They're going like, well, let's do this to meet this audience. And that was very much a response to like that 90s era heading into like, hey, say, like you said, late 80s, early 90s, mm. was such a response to the decline in interest that happened in the 80s as well. Yeah. Because a lot of the stuff, as we said, like they're basically making the same movie for 30 years. I'm massively discrediting that. Obviously, I'm not giving them full credit for that. But in in audience terms, they made, I think it was like 20-something movies in 30 years or something like that. Yeah, it was like yeah. 21 films. Something absolutely crazy. And people were just exhausted. And you get to the point, you're totally right, Matt, where you get the escalation of not only the monsters, but also like, Oh, we now this one needs to appeal to kids. So you get Gamera being like, hey, he's the friend of all children. You're like, Okay, sure, whatever. You get the campest, silliest bollocks you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, you and get, uh, son of Godzilla stuff. Son of Godzilla, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The the classic eat your, eat your greens, eat your broccoli gif where he's shoving, <laughs> the, shoving the tree in his mouth and all that kind of stuff. You get those really campy, silly moments, and 
I think, again, me speaking as somebody who has retroactively watched a load of this stuff throughout my, my 30 years here on the, on the planet, thinking about how people are burning out of the MCU now and like where we are in terms of like, oh, yeah, sure. we're like 15 years into that at this point, pretty much 14 years since Iron Man 1. Imagine 30 years of kind of some of it's connected, some of it's disjointed, some of it's not. 30 years of Iron Man movies. Yes. That's the, I mean, it's, there's been a lot of That's an of excellent it. point as well, yeah. It's Iron Man and Friends, which to be fair, the MCU was for a while. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting away from that finally. Mm. And yeah, I can totally imagine people just being burnt out and being like, for God, stop making smash all monsters destroy all monsters fights all monsters kill jesus christ yeah we've seen all of we've seen him fight rodan 15 fucking times yeah it's not exciting anymore and you get that kind of re you do the reboot and you establish the continuity and you bring some gravity and gravitas to it where mm. oh suddenly shit matters if something dies in one film it doesn't just show back up and be like ah it's a different mm. son of what's his face that's him yeah that's fine yeah. you actually get characters dying off and the it human feels like it actually there's continuity impact. of human characters as well you get some like the military leaders continue from one godzilla film to another and they yeah build relationships with the kaiju and being like oh i fought you five years ago and all that kind of stuff you get this kind of weight to it that you didn't have before it's a that, reason to watch the next installment exactly yeah which is exactly where we are now in this kind of serialization of movies that we have now and i find it fascinating that we don't really think about the connection between like they were doing that 30 years ago with godzilla and all his mates and even 50 years ago with godzilla yeah, and all yeah. his mates as well mm. and everybody's like oh god everything's serialized oh everything's everything has to cross over with everything else like yeah, welcome to pop culture, motherfuckers. <laughs> We've been doing that in comics been for this. We've been doing it in comics for sixty yeah. years as well. Like, keep up. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe it. And we've talked about this before as well. Like, oh, I can't believe it does this. Like, yeah, but you remember like the episode where I Love Lucy was crossed over with Superman? Everybody's been doing it. It's always been a thing. Mm. Shut the fuck up. Well, music doesn't do it. No, music does it all the time. It's called supergroups. Um and people guest starring on other people's tracks. That all the time. All the time. <laughs> yep. It's You'll just get a thing. guest guitar solo or a guest rap verse or yeah. whatever that happens all the fucking collaboration is a huge part of making art absolutely absolutely people vibe off that and and need that to mm -hmm. create mm -hmm. like it's a an important part of that and i think that's when we get the kind of western stuff to to jump forward here into the 90s obviously godzilla of course Oof. not not a good movie oh Don't you mean the 1998 American Godzilla. Film. Yes. TriStar's Godzilla. It's all right. Terrible. Um, That's all right. It's not. And then Japan's reaction to that, where they have like oh, yeah. that Godzilla show up and be like, nah, that's not real Godzilla. We'll just kill off that Godzilla. Literally with the tail swipe, it's like, hoof that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Actual Godzilla will kick the shit out of that little Godzilla bollocks. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that you have that kind of almost back and forth between the, the West and the East in terms of Godzilla films. Obviously, now we've had the modern monsterverse, as we're calling it now, mm -hmm. with yep. the King Kong. We obviously had Peter Jackson's King Kong in 2005 as well. Mm. Good film. Good film. And we even talked about trying to set up a monsterverse there. There was hints at mm. other stuff happening, like, mm. years and years ago. I mean, like, okay, yeah. And technology, like, back then, I think when we got into the 90s, we talked about Jurassic Park not a kaiju movie despite the things mm -hmm. being very large 
Yeah, yeah. Matt thinks it's a kaiju movie. It's I not. think there are elements, but no. Oh, there's definitely elements. Absolutely, there's the, elements. The, the closest it comes is the end of Lost World when there's a T Rex loose in San yeah, Diego. Yeah. I would say. It, yeah. And this is gonna this is gonna cause grief, Uh-oh. but I'm gonna say it. It's, it's a zoo movie. It's, yeah. it's about animals. And yeah. you say, what about King Kong? He's about. It's like, no, that's not a real animal. Well, neither are these. No, they were a real animal. Yeah. There are yeah. many differences here. Yeah. We won't get into it. Yeah. But yeah. And I think you get that kind of development of design as well you get these oh gamera is just a big fucking snapping turtle basically godzilla is kind of a dinosaur a, a big sure, lizard sure. thing whatever mm. and but with especially with the enemies and I, I i've always been fascinated by the mad fucking designs of some of the enemies like biolante and legion Boy, and stuff like yeah. that so legion is in the second of the 90s gamera trilogy mm-hmm and he's one of my favorite like monster designs ever. It's like this weird, not to bring this up again, it's basically Evangelion. It's a weird like <laughs> yeah. angel type thing where you don't quite know where its eyes or its head or are they tentacles? Are they spikes? It's kind of got this big like shell shield thing and lots of little minion creatures as well. Like it's so weird. It's firing laser beams out of bits of its body you didn't even realize were there <laughs> mm-hmm. it's fascinating to me and I, I love the way we kind of evolved from as we talked about like oh it's a pterodactyl oh it's a big fucking moth like cool okay now it's a robot from space you're like oh okay okay keeping mm-hmm. it fresh and like now uh, uh, it's <laughs> a load of goo it's like what it's a thing like well it kind of looks like a bug and like i, I still don't quite understand so even in that era, they were still Supmation, by the way. Yeah, it was, yeah. And I still don't understand how the people in the Legion suit moved. <laughs> because it's like a, it's got like a praying mantis like bit at the bottom. Like it's got a horizontal bit of its body and then a vertical bit of its body. Were they like in a fucking carnival horse suit <laughs> yeah. where there's like one in the back, one in the I front, mean, and there's like d- and there's all like yeah. animatronic bits of it where the tentacle claw things are moving and stuff. I find that so fascinating. And when mm. when it can make me forget about that shit, that's when it's really special to me. And that's why I love... I'll get onto Gamera later on. There's a little hint, yeah, little boy. tease. That's why I love that trilogy of the, the 90s Gamera stuff so much is because after a while, I forget it's a bloke in a suit. Yeah, and I feel like so much of the early stuff, because it's so campy and because they're doing fucking, as much as I love it, wrestling moves and drop kicks and shit, you're like, well, that's just a bloke in a rubber suit doing a drop kick. Like the tail will like bounce off the floor and like bend like how it would not bend if he was an actual giant lizard and yeah. all this kind of shit. Like, well, yeah. it's, it's the mistake. Uh, this is this is a, a really interesting point actually with regards to how they made these things because you're right, the bloke in the suit thing. When they filmed the first Godzilla, and this is the thing about the reboots and then bringing back like the '90s and things, and even now with the with the most recent stuff, it's always, well, hang on, we've we've lost our way. Let's go back to what the first film was. Let's go back to that dourness. Let's go back to that uh, the seriousness. Let's take it like not not necessarily make it really down. Just give it the the weight it needs. And the first thing I always do is like, what are we going to do? Well, we need to make these things feel big and powerful and slow moving and intense. It's like, yeah, sure, because we've seen them. And it's like, I mean, and Godzilla uh, Raids Again being the second film is one of those great examples of Anguirus and Godzilla fighting. You're like, what the yep. fuck have you done? Yep. It's film two, and they're already running around really fast. Yep. And they're scrapping on the floor. You've lost the weight of this character now, of this impossible giant moving behemoth, because you want it to look cool 
and then fighting. So rather than being like, again, what Guillermo del Toro talks about in Pacific Rim, like, mm. if you're going to do a punch, it's be a really slow wind up and a smash. Mm. And everything like shakes buildings. Yeah. And it looks like it should be slow, but obviously for they've done it, you know, for like, oh, okay, we've got um, Geras and Mothra and Ghidorah and Godzilla are having a big old fight. Oh my God, amazing. So, yeah. What does that mean? It means he's going to move really fast to make it really intense. Like, yeah, Swing around by his tail. Yeah, mm. but now I see it's a dude in a suit. Ah, okay. With like, or, or, or like a, almost like Jabba the Hutt. It's nine people puppeting a face. Yes. Yeah, 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 and yeah, you look yeah, at exactly. it and going, yeah, I, it, it's dude, dude in suit. There's something special about the, the suitmation stuff, but I do find it really interesting. And this is totally credit to the team that works on like the MonsterVerse stuff. Kong and Godzilla, we'll get on to like the escalation That's of size free. here as well that we haven't talked about. But the fact that, like, that shot in the trailer, and obviously in the movie as well, but I remember seeing that shot in the trailer where Godzilla comes up onto the boat and... Oh, Kong... sorry, you don't mean... I apologise. You don't mean... Modern Godzilla versus You mean the, the legendary one. Yes, the yes, legendary As opposed one. to yeah, the, the, yeah. the 60s one. My yes. apologies. Yeah, carry on. You carry on. The, the, the credit to the, the modern CG versions mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They give it a lot of weight. And even... Absolutely. Even adjusting... I remember how excited all the nerds were when the 2014, 20, when the 2014 Godzilla had a new roar, and it has that mm. bit, but it also has the, the reverb. So there's like a mm. deep, deep rumble, mm. and you're like, "Hold on a minute!" And then people were playing that clip back of him like standing up for the first time in the trailer next to the skyscraper. He's like, "Hold on, how he's is he 200 feet tall? <laughs> how big is this guy?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Godzilla's like." 60 70 100 feet maybe like no, no no this one is like 200 feet tall really you're gonna make that work it's like yeah he's gonna be a big like chonky boy like wait what <laughs> he's 200 <laughs> feet tall and he got that ass as well it's like okay thighs for sure. days and even in kong skull island it's like i can't believe how big he is and then john c Riley's character is like yeah he's the last of his kind and uh He's still growing. He's just a kid. And then by the time we see him again later on in the MonsterVerse, he's also like 400 feet tall because (laughs) they both keep growing. Mm -hmm. And that happens so much in the uh, the early era. Like we said, the lack of continuity there. You would have, oh, sometimes, you know, we'd build the little sets that are a foot off the ground and the tallest skyscraper is up to Godzilla's waist. And then sometimes the tallest skyscraper is up to his shoulder. And then sometimes the tallest skyscraper is uh, his knees. You know, nobody will care. Fuck it. It's like, is he fifty feet tall? Five hundred feet tall? Like, how yeah. big is this? Stuff? It's the whole like he's as big as this castle. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Mm. And then the it, next scene, next scene, he's as big as he, there's a suspension bridge going over gorge. It's like, well, hang, hang on a minute. No, <laughs> that that's a very different scale here. No, it's the same thing. No, it most definitely is not. You've just added, you've kind of doubled his height there. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one of the films I'll talk about later on has some, has some real issues with scale. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so many of them do. Yeah. Um, so we go from these 90s era, this Heisei stuff, and it's when we get into this bit of back and forth. I think it's that classic thing where people growing up with these movies on VHS and old 16mm run or whatever mm. it is um, go into the film industry themselves and think, I could do this. Yeah. And the classic... Eh, back and forth rivalry a little bit of we can make a Godzilla film. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like, well, we made it our way. Yeah. 
and then Japan makes them their way, and there's this sort of back and forth. And they there are arguably no right or wrong ways, but it depends on the audience at the time. But then you get things like imitators like Cloverfield and Pacific Rim, and mm. we mentioned before these films, where they're like, no, these are definitely kaiju films. Yeah. They're disaster films with a big-ass monster stamping through the city. Mm. Rampage, I know it's a video game, but it has a lot of that imagery. Yeah, These are all well, things... They're ripped off of Kong and Godzilla. Exactly. the video game. So bringing their background to movies was mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, yeah, and terrible. It's like here we are, <laughs> still made a shit ton of money. Yeah, um, and then you get Legendary having the rights to do a Godzilla film, so we do in twenty fourteen, and Japan isn't really making Godzilla at this point. They're like almost like lapsed, and not only that, we're not they're not really making any Anything. kaiju films. Yeah. They're making lots of TV tokusatsu stuff. Mm. So you still have Super Sentai. You still have uh, Ultraman going on. There's, st- there's still presence of these things. Mm. Like, you know, a, a bloke in a suit fights another bloke yeah. in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> it's still a, a big, big industry. That will never not be a thing in Japan, I feel like. Yeah, it's, it's just too big not to it, exist. It makes me think a little bit of um, uh, Dragon Quest. Oh, the, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the JRPG. Yeah where Final Fantasy VII came out on PlayStation over here and, and, and had always, had for a long while, been basically like second banana to Dragon Quest mm. in Japan and then broke out in the States and in Europe and became this big seller. Yep. And now, you know, if you ask most people in America and, and, and Europe, what's the first JRPG you think of? Mm. It's probably going to be Final Fantasy. Dragon Quest is still far more popular in Japan and hasn't really changed. And yeah. in fact, they tried to do an update to like the graphics and stuff with the most recent <laughs> one. And a bunch of fans were like, actually, can you make it go back to the kind of like sort of like 32 bit, like 64 bit graphics? Yeah. Um, because that's that's what we like. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the kind of the suitimation makes me think of that. It's mm-hmm. like. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we've seen your CGI and your all that kind of stuff and we'll take a few hints and tips from that. But we know what we like. We know what we like, we know what works. We don't need to be told otherwise. Yeah. The millennium era Godzilla is the same sort of thing where it's like we're just going to look look we've got a new Godzilla. Oh great. Is it CGI? No, it's a No, it's a dude in a suit. Yeah. But the early 2000s you can do that now. Yeah. We don't need to. Yeah. We that's not what our people, audience wants. People will still love it. Like yeah, it's still <laughs> brilliant and yeah. it is still brilliant and that's interesting because when we get to 2014's godzilla and king of the uh, monsters and the king kong crossover and godzilla and kong and yada 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 and maybe it's going back to japan japan turns around and does a very interesting thing toho and, and this thing that that toho's kind of the only one doing this stuff godzilla is the thing because gamma is not being made anymore there's a big blur a sort of spurt mm, in the 90s and it went away again year gap from yep. like I think it was 1980 to 95 mm-hmm. when they do that reboot. Yeah, and they and they talk about it all the time. Oh, should bring these things back. I always died, went bankrupt. But it's like always wanting to go back to these things, but they are still quite expensive. And now audiences have a bit of a taste for CGI in, in, mm. in Japan. So when you get things like Shin Godzilla, mm. which is the most recent one, it uh, is a huge success. It's brilliant. It's very poignant. It's very dark. It's wonderfully creative. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's got all the dude in a suit um, references, as it were, but it's still CGI. Mm. But it feels slow, yeah. angry, and 
terrifying. Terrifying, exactly. And it, it has that same correct energy, should we say. But at the same time, and then also on top of that, they did three animated movies, which were released on Netflix over here in, mm. in America as well. Um, and they're so dramatically different. Um, very interesting, some people, very divisive. But the interesting thing on the side of all that is that um, Japan quietly has another kaiju series, a franchise, which went to films and the stage because Japan. And that's Attack on Titan. And I know people are like, no. It's like, hmm. yeah. It's absolutely kaiju. It's yeah. kaiju. And it's like, so, so he's like, oh, it went away in Japan. It's like, no, it didn't. It's still there. It's on TV. It's just been sort of translated into a new form almost. Yeah. It's post-apocalyptic kaiju. Yeah. And the kaiju don't look like how you remember them. It's naked drunk people. Yeah. Um, and that's the point. But it's still that fear of a big terrifying threat over, in this case, a giant wall. And and it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, they haven't gone away. It's like, exactly. Of course they haven't gone away. It just changed how it looks, as you mm. say. Um, and so all this rolls on and it keeps going and it keeps getting reinvented. And we always get to the point where it gets too wacky, too silly, too colorful, too... Why are we doing this just to sell toys and it's a really stupid, you know, banal human characters. And then after a while, it gets reset and we go back to a, mm. you know, an actual uh, message piece mm. and restart the cycle again. It just goes on and on and on, really. Um, and again, I feel like Godzilla tends to lead that trend. Yeah. So we had Shin Godzilla and like, oh, where's the sequel coming out? And I was like, well, Arno's now working on Shin Ultraman. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like before he did Evangelion in his animation career, mm. he made, you know, fan films they shot himself of him being Ultraman, <laughs> which is basically like, oh, it's it's no different to oh, um, Kenneth Branagh made some you know quirky Thor films when he was a kid. Yeah, now he's directing Thor. It's the same, it's the same principle. Um, and it, being I don't know, it's out in Britain in the next couple of months. I believe, and I'm really looking forward to it. Even though I know it's gonna be so fucking stupid, <laughs> you kind of go into these movies. It's almost it's, guaranteed to be right. Absolutely, yeah. it and made it made a bunch of money in Japan. Absolutely, yeah. and there's, it's it's because again, it's still a really strong franchise. That thing's been around since the '60s, and it's still yeah beloved. Um, and we talk about this thing about this influence because Japan's doing this thing the whole time, and it's still pottling along, pottling along. But you've got enough weebs now, as you did with like that, that, that '80s and '90s era of oh, we can do this. You've got enough of let's place it us, uh, I me mean, in um, the film industry. So when you release something like The Suicide Squad and you're mm. doing a Starro story, yeah. it's not just a big starfish from outer space. It's a fucking kaiju. It's a kaiju. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, a, that's a word we know now. Yeah. And that's fascinating to me because it's... It, and, and yet, if you show it to, like, again, the Japanese, like, ah, kind of. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. It, it's, it's the classic, like, interpretation of a thing by another country, which is fine because it's, it's a monster thing. Monster. And again... To clarify, Godzilla is arguably an interpretation of something like King Kong. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's in the mm. same way that Seven and, Samurai is a Western. And to go back further, it's an interpretation of stuff like dragon mythology. And Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So to stick on the... We, are, we all know the meaning of kaiju. Yeah. Every time before I come to sequelizers to record here, I have a little conversation with Emma. My have, a little, have a little poo. Have a little poo. <laughs> Pre-podcast poo. The triple P, if you will. <laughs> And she asks, what are you guys talking about this week? I mean, oh, this thing. And sometimes she's like, oh, I'm really interested. And we'll chip in. Like when we did 
Sex and the City. She had opinions yes. about Sex and the City. Yes. Certain things she's very engaged with. Most of this shit, she does not give Entirely a shit Entirely fine. I assume you get a very deadpan face followed by, ugh. Most of the time, it's just, ah, oh, ugh. And uh, I, what are you talking about this week? And I just shouted, kaiju, across the flat. It was like, what? Like, kaiju. Like, what's that? I'm like, oh, yeah. She doesn't, You're like... A, uh, upside that thing, yeah. Yeah, my wife doesn't really absorb Japanese culture like many of us like who watch anime and these kind of films do. She's not as much of a big like science, science fiction-y kind of person as I am. So that was kind of my, as I said, my dad getting me into all that kind of stuff in the early Japanese cinema, watching Seven Samurai and Godzilla and blah, 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 blah. Told that story a million times. Emma never had any of that and her family are not movie watchers. So it's not really a thing in her vocabulary and her understanding. She's like, what? what is that? I'm like, so like Godzilla, right? And I had to actually literally explain what what kaiju is and what its mm. definition is. I was like, that's really weird. I'm about to do this on a podcast, obviously. I'm sure there are some listeners who are like, I've heard that word, but I don't really know what it means. Mm. And I find it fascinating that like, you know, it's such a huge part of Japanese culture and has been for so long and a huge part of their cinema. We mentioned, you know, they continue to make shit tons of money, even when crap like Rampage is churned out and yeah. stuff like that. They still make loads of money if there is lots of big smashy smashy shit, whether that's in the West or in the East, they continue to make loads of money, but a lot of people don't have that kind of grounding and understanding. So hopefully, that's kind of what this com- first half of the com- conversation is. is yeah. Helping you understand like the context for it all and where we come to it, where the industry has been and where it's going and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, very much a, a crash course. This week's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible has thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, comedy specials, and so much more. And we're here to enhance this fantastic experience, because if you head to audibletrial.com sequel, you can get a month free and an audiobook on us. I'm going to recommend Kaiju yeah. of Biblical Proportions oh. by <laughs> Jamin Bradley. I don't actually recommend this. I just wanted <laughs> to talk about that this existed. <laughs> It's hang, on, hang on, is it like a uh, oh. a chick tract but with kaiju? Chick, chick tracts are the little uh, comic strips that you'll find evangelical people give out at Halloween or slip into books in bookshops. Right. Saying like, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Not far off then. Uh, yeah, it's basically, about kaiju and mostly Jesus. It's, it's and a, kaiju and mostly Jesus. Yeah, it's a US pastor trying to link kaiju to the Bible. Wow. Um, and just saying like, you know, like when the Lord created this, and yeah. this is in the in Corinthians, whatever. When, when Jonah gets swallowed by the, oh, the whale, a, a behemoth. Yeah, that was actually Gamera, <laughs> friend to all children, like Jesus. Um. Anyway, if you want to hear that like hour long pamphlet, <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend you do. Uh, head to audibletrial.com slash sequel for a month free and an audiobook on us. Any kind of audiobook, not just that one. Uh, Audible. Rawr, sinners. <laughs> so let's talk about some specifics. Jack mm. has already alluded to the I've fact. Hinted at a couple. Yeah, we had a little, little bit of a um, uh, laying down the rules, some stipulations. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And those were very clearly you had to pick one Japanese film and one non-Japanese film. Simple as that. And the Japanese film in question could not be a Godzilla film. Entirely fair. No problem with that. We, we don't want to make this a Godzilla episode. We're talking about a multiple We've already done things. that once. Yeah, exactly. It's just influence of things. 
So I'm talking about something that I really, really, really enjoy and I think is hideously underrated. And I can see on your bookshelf. Right there. there. Yeah. Daimajin. The Daimajin Trilogy. That's right. There's only three of them. Yeah. Not 20 odd yeah. fucking thousand. They they tried to redo it in the Heisei era. They they did a TV version to an extent. It was not very good. But it's one of those ones that's like, it was Dae Studios who did uh, Gamera. And they wanted another one. And this is, for multiple reasons, a really underrated, really fun, really good kaiju film, in my in my opinion. I agree for the record. Nice, nice. And I've already seen the first one, but yeah. No, that's, that's, again, I, I, interestingly, I mean, we talk about the, the, the speed of the turnaround, right? All of these movies are from the same year. Yeah. They were made literally Holy crap. months apart. And yeah. you look at the quality of them and go, how? Now, admittedly, it's because every single one had a different director. Um, now, to give a bit of context here, Daimajin. Um, <laughs> Daimajin itself, or Majin itself, is an evil spirit that's trapped in a 50-foot statue, effectively being a sort of giant stone humanoid golem. Um, and being that, rather than a creature or a robot, it's kind of aged very well. Mm. And it's kind of aided by the fact that it's it's set in feudal Japan. It's what was set in the past. And it's that kind of classic period story of, oh, you've got these lords and, and bandits and they're making trouble for villagers and they need help. So they pray to this thing and it comes to life. That's kind of it. Yep. Uh, and it just fucks people up. Um, and it's quite dark. Like people are being like crucified and the, uh, this big stone monster comes in. They, they try and use this giant chisel and chisel it in the face. Uh, when it's still in the in the mountain, it starts bleeding, and they're like, oh god, what's happening? And this, um, it's a, it's just a giant statue, um, and then it, you know, raises its hand, and underneath is this hideous green, still stone face, but it's more um, outside, like uh, Shinto temples and so on, Buddhist temples. You you will see these giant uh, uh, oni style creatures with these very snarling faces, and it's kind of like that. Um, and it's very interesting because it has human eyes because it's a dude. And obviously it's a dude. It's a dude in a suit, everyone. Wait, what? <laughs> it's a dude in a suit. What? Um, and it, there's so much about this, this, this trilogy of movies that fascinates me and how it was made because for 1966, which is when it came out, it looks stunning. And I know it's like, oh, it's an old movie. Yeah, but there are so many shots you think, how did they do that? Um, you end up with... Uh, the the rock itself falling away in a mountain and this this statue walking out and you're like oh yeah it's all false perspective it's like actually no it's a it's an old classic silent movie technique where you cover up part of the the it's double exposure you cover cover up part of the um uh the film or the camera and then you shoot it mm. and then you go to the next sort of bit you shoot that bit and mm. then I mean you with the exact same film so in theory you know I think Francis Ford Coppola did it for for Dracula to have mm. rats crawling across the roof. It's like, oh, it's just CGI. No, it's not. It's all done in camera. It's like, yeah. how, how? How? It's like, yeah. I used the same bit of film. I ran it through the camera twice. It's like, that's so risky. It's like, I know. It might not work. So you got those sort of stuff. You have early uh, blue screens. One of the biggest blue screens at the time was imported from America to Japan to do these shots. Um, you had a guy in a suit being, unlike, as I said before, a, a, an organic creature or a robot, it's a stone monster that's in the shape of a person. So him moving around the way he does, it's a dude in a suit. Of course it is. It's a giant man. Mm. That makes, it's like Talos. It kind of makes sense, except it's not stop motion. And he terrorizes this town. He walks in through the 
the the castle and he kicks the door down and something picks people up and they're obviously puppeteered kind of things um and the fact that uh, the the actor in it um for the human performance Shikara Hashimoto the suit performer there was water there's dust there's explosions there's fire there's smoke there's snow and minimal concern for his safety because of course we talk about stunt work and stuff yeah things be blown up around him and his is it keep your eyes open do not blink and there's some people like wow he must have been amazing there's like so many awesome contact lenses saying because his eyes are so red so evil it's like no that's <laughs> that's all the all the smoke and and it couldn't have snow and dust so it's it's potato starch so like, yeah what do you mean He's making glue in his eyes. Yeah. It's like, oh. <laughs> and it, he's suffering like a motherfucker. But it's so expressive and it's so cool. And it's also an evil-ass spirit. And it's interesting how it does, as we discussed in the first film, they pray to this thing saying, please, 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 get revenge for me. Mm-hmm. And it wakes up and it's like, yeah, fine, I'm on it. Um, and just rampages. Um, and the second film, it comes back and it's not really a good. It's never. It's never really turns to be a good guy. The people who pray to it because it's, it's still a god. The demon thing. Right? That's like, exactly yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's an evil spirit as a god, but it's not. It's not the idea that this character is inherently, you know, trustworthy mm. or reliable. It's just this uncontrollable beast. And it was going to be initially. They were setting this thing up in the past, so it would come back as an eventual foe for Gamera to fight. Mm. In the same way that Toho doing their own ones. I don't know why they didn't. I think it might have been the cost because. Talk about how this was filmed again. In addition to dude in a suit, um, and you know, giant rock face mountain sort of uh, stuff, they had a life size model which was puppeteered. So there are shots of people like scarpering around, mm. and it will have this giant statue turned to look at it, kind of like the Gundam models in. Uh, by models, mm. I mean the statues in Japan. I mean, like you know, fifty foot tall things. Yeah, just go, and it moves across. And then it cuts from there, a match cut to a different perspective, like a, you know, you cut to a different angle and it's the dude in the suit. Yeah. And it's, it's obvious what you're doing, but it's, it's clever enough. You go, yeah. how did, <laughs> how did you do this? Especially in the sixties. Yeah. In the sixties. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, I, I think they are hideously underrated. And again, key thing, like I said, with um, the, the, the human condition trilogy, currently you can get them free on um, YouTube or you can watch them free on YouTube. Mm. So, I mean, a case for a few of these movies, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's my sort of essential first pick. Is that they tried to bring it back in the late 90s uh, as part of this whole, you know, oh, we've got a darker thing. We have a project. It's like, yeah, but it's set in the past. Do we want to bring it back? And mm. uh, the TV series, Daimajin Canon, it's fine. It didn't really hit the right tone. It was like, I think, mm. 24 episodes and, and done, really. Um, but uh, yeah, as, as an experience, as a film, I, and, and I also think that it's interesting because because there's so little of it in continuity, it's essentially invincible. Mm. It's like nothing can destroy it. Yeah. And I feel it'd be like, if you did bring it back, it's like, well, what about a bomb? Mm. Nope. Because it's, it's a rock possessed by a spirit. What are you going to do? Basically, what happens is that he, you know, it, it, the thing that stops it in the first film is it's still rampaging and the woman who tried to get it in the first place uh, to attack the villagers, to attack, get revenge, starts crying and the, her tears, mm. you know, you know well, it will live on in this happy frog. Um, her, <laughs> her tears stop the beast and it goes off and the spirit goes up in a big ball of fire. Mm. And you're like, yeah, because it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of monster ghost. It's sp- like an animating force and this just happens to be a very That's convenient... exactly it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Get a damn degolem kind of thing. Um, but still... 
very much a kaiju, mm. and you don't often see kaiju that are just mm, arguably often just big monster people. Yeah. You get like again, you'll get dude in a suit, big monster, big mm. uh, big robot, that kind of stuff. But uh, this one's a, a semi-unique one. Mm. Yeah, I've, the whole like mystical angle is really interesting to me because it feels like it opens up. It talks about how there's only so many things that Godzilla can be a metaphor for. Yes. Adding that kind of mystical, almost like pushing into like a folk horror type thing yeah. feels like it could open up a bunch of interesting stuff that you could do because, yeah. because Godzilla is almost always, it's uh, an ancient monster that we woke up. It's a thing that we mutated into existence or it's an alien. Um, and those all have limited things that you can do with them. But bringing in a supernatural aspect means you can do that stuff of like, yeah, this is something I I unleashed because I was a bad person. Um yeah, exactly. in a way that Godzilla like it's very hard to have like someone's need for revenge unleash Godzilla yes. uh, without a very specific set of circumstances. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, I love the idea that you could do a, a, a very um Park Chanuk style. This is for revenge. It's like revenge is pointless. You're not gonna. This is. This is gonna consume you as yeah. well. It's like you're right. Yeah. And that's like that's the kind of story. It was like, how do we keep going darker? This is how you do it. Mm. Every couple of hundred years, every fifty, twenty years, wherever it happens to be, someone prays to this thing. It brings mm. something to life. It doesn't always have to be that same rock monster. It could be something similar. Yeah. And it's back and like, hey everybody, I'm gonna smash everything to pieces. Like, no, no, just these things. No, I said I'm smashing everything to pieces. Yeah. We're done here. Yeah, um, and you can get a lot of kind of uh, the sort of like hubris stuff of mm. uh, I'm basically just writing my own Dimogen film here uh, <laughs> of like I have no problem with that Tim, Tim? Uh, you know Tim <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad idea Tim uh, you I'll know it. it's if, all you, good. if you want we've we've had obviously like Godzilla as climate change but you could very easily do get the angle of like someone who is wealthy basically being like i'm gonna to unleash to this thing and it's and i'll be fine because i'm rich and it doesn't make any you know i, I can i can outrun it or whatever yeah and it's like 50 foot donald trump i hear you say. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like no 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 once you've once you've unbottled this thing mm. there is no escape and yeah. your wealth will not save you yeah it's it's you are not immune to its path of wrath yeah. it's yeah exactly and I, as I say, there's actually a similar... Dae also did another set film I mentioned earlier called the Yokai Monsters trilogy. Mm. And they also brought that back in 2005, wherever it was. And there are a few really huge Yokai Monsters. And you say it's that opening up to the mystical. It's the idea of like ghosts and spirits and mm. something that isn't just a, a natural thing, shall we say, an mm. unnatural, supernatural thing. Um, but yeah, Daimajin, uh, I think that... This, this, again, one of those examples. Three of them, they're free online. Go watch them. And also... Mm. They're quite short. They're an hour yeah, and a half long. They're an hour yeah. and a half long. I think they're very much kind of like hidden gems of the kaiju oh, genre. Oh, absolutely. As well. um, again, like I said, I'd only seen the first one, and that's because I went on like a bit of a kaiju binge. Yeah. Like a decade or so ago, whenever it was. Um, and I think it's one of those things where, because it's born about phrase human shaped, as we we're talking about, it doesn't get lumped in with all the other, like, it's not a big moth or a big turtle mm. or a big lizard or whatever. He doesn't show up in Godzilla versus kill all the monsters and all that kind of bollocks. Samurai armor. Just big bloke and basically samurai armor. So it's like, yeah. Him and the Statue of Liberty in Ghostfight, uh, Ghostbusters 2 <gasps> having a fight. Hell yeah. 
That's, that's being, a, being, really accurate. Being ready she, player two or something. She like could that. take him. She's tough. She's a harbor chick. See, I agree with that. Except I've only recently learned that I believe the Statue of Liberty is as thin as an Easter egg. Yes, it's also not that tall. And the, yeah, it's uh, like fifty feet tall or whatever. No, we're gonna fuck you up, you yeah. French broad. <laughs> um, so that's that's uh, my. We'll pick. just have a be struck by lightning and grow four times the size. Tim, that's brilliant. That's, <laughs> that's Takasatsu as fuck. That, I mean, that's what happens to King Kong in King Kong yeah, versus Godzilla, exactly. the original. It's like, here we go. How's this work? This is how it works. Yeah. Um, he, he evolves like a fucking Pokemon, yeah. basically. Um, Jack. Hello. My boy. Hello. What's your my boy? The, the, you there, boy. What kaiju is it? <laughs> Christmas Day. <laughs> this kaiju is definitely my boy. And we've hinted at it. We've mentioned it a couple of times. You pro- the listeners who know what we're talking about have probably already guessed it. Mm. I want to talk about 30 years from your Daimajin. Oh, 29 years. You want to be picky. Same studio. To 1995. Mm. Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. This is a very clean segue because, as I said, Daimajin was like, we're doing a big kaiju film. And say, like, what's the plan for it eventually? Uh, fight Gamera. Yep. Never happened. And he is Gamera, folks. Yep. We've talked about him already. He is the giant snapping turtle that basically was the answer to Godzilla for all intents and purposes. And it's essentially like the number two that isn't in the Godzilla universe. Mm-hmm. Most people know Godzilla. You might know, especially from the more modern stuff, you might know like his villains or like Mothra or whatever. But Gamera is, for all intents and purposes, at least in the in the Japanese side of things, number two in terms of highest grossing, longest running kaiju and all that kind of stuff. And as I mentioned, the 90s Gamera trilogy is an absolute banger. Oh, it's, it's so good. I think they're brilliant. And I'm going to talk about the first movie just because it kicks everything off. And again, it's free on YouTube. It's a dub. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, bear with it. But yeah, it's free, available on YouTube. Literally just type Gamera Garden the Universe into YouTube. You will find it. As you said also about Daimajin, Matt, it's like 94 minutes long. <laughs> so, yeah, free, lovely little bit of entertainment for you. It's a really unfortunate thing where the, the, these films have stuck in my head so much that whenever I see the Kyoto train station, surprisingly often in my life, um, <laughs> and when I was in Kyoto in the train station, all I kept thinking was, oh, Gamera smashing through this motherfucker. Because <laughs> <laughs> at the time it was just newly built. And I was like, well, there's a new building. Let's fuck it up. Yeah. Pretty much. It's like whenever I see the Chrysler building, I expect half of it to open up and the kingpin to come out of it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. But yeah, I love this Gamera movie so much. And it is what I was talking about earlier, where they did the reboot. And for 15 years, there was no Gamera because people burn out on Gamera. Mm-hmm. We got to the early 80s. In fact, 1980, the earliest of the 80s. And people were like, ah, yeah, I think we need a... Do we need a break now, guys? We don't, we don't need any more gamma anytime soon. Right, okay, fine. We'll leave it. We'll leave it for a while, as much as we can. And for 15 years, Godzilla pooled along. Like we said, there was some stuff happening in the late 80s, early 90s stuff from Godzilla. But they brought it back, and they brought a new origin. They grounded it more in reality and stuff like that, and made you give a shit about the human characters, which is... Again, like I said, such a key thing for me. You get the whole like psychic connection to Gamera. A, a girl gets a connection through a little thing and all that kind of stuff. They, they still have the whole hero to all children, but in an actual like, how's that? It's like, 
this. Oh, oh, okay, that makes sense. And it doesn't feel like it's just, you know, oh, thank you, Gamera. Everyone waves and smiles as he flies off into fucking space. It's like, no, there's a weird link between these two. Be like, oh, yeah. shit. It, it, it makes it work in a very more credible way. Yeah. And I think for me, what really sells it, and I, I won't go into too much of like Gamera's powers and stuff we kind of touched on. He's a flying, snapping turtle. Uh, he has a weird origin in this trilogy where, I, I guess, spoiler alert, he's kind of from Atlantis, I guess. Yeah, I love it. He's a like a man-made like defender of Earth, basically, like a genetically modified product of Atlantis. Weird. Sure. But sure. I mean, fuck it. It's just big monsters and stuff. The, don't the, don't worry too much about the science of kaiju. Yeah, if you want if you're worried about the nature of how is this thing real? Is it, uh, how does it eat? Fuck you. How does it move without completely causing earthquakes ever go? Shut up. Pretty much. Yeah. So it's a damn rocket turtle. Pretty much. <laughs> Get on board. <laughs> he tucks his little legs in and then jets come out of his shell and he flies like a fucking jet turtle. It's brilliant. It, it's amazing. He has, he has jet turtles sort of mode and Catherine wheel mode. Yes. Like, both of them are like, fuck, I love yes. this. <laughs> yeah. He fires fireballs from his mouth for some reason and like sure. eats lava sometimes because he's literally like powered by fire and stuff because he can't have atomic breath so he just does like fireballs and stuff but what I mentioned about Legion which is the second one in this trilogy and I absolutely adore that movie as well mm. this first one you have the Gyaus which is like these giant bird creatures mm -hmm. and the some of the cinematography still stands up to this day to me so much of the like silhouette shots and the fucking miniature work in this movie is, I don't want to say it's like unsurpassed, but I think it holds up. I rewatched it for this show. So I, I rewatched it like a couple of days ago and I had a barrel of laughs and a lot of fun with this movie. I think the miniature work when you're seeing like them battling in the background mm. and I, I watched a couple of videos and stuff as I always do, did a bunch of research and all that kind of stuff. And there was something I hadn't really like consciously noticed or thought about of like, God, yeah, I really enjoy this because of this. And that's why I didn't click with so much of the like that similar mm. era Godzilla stuff is that the people are really reacting to the shit that's going on around them. Mm. So even in the miniature work, you'll have like all the cars and stuff driving towards the camera. And in the background, you see these massive blokes in suits <laughs> in the background battling mm. and it's this incredible shot where you see like very close up normal people and then the monsters in the background but in a lot of the Godzilla stuff they're almost like there may as well be two separate shots where there's like life is happening also Godzilla in the background mm. whereas this one is direction like, is a close up one direction is the fight exactly go. yeah exactly but there's so much dynamic camera work and the fact that you will go to ground level to show the scale and size of these monsters. And then you see a foot from those monsters crash into that shot of that miniature as you're still in that miniature shot. And you're like, how the fuck did they do that? They've yeah. gone from him over there and then he stamps and then cut back to that shot. He's stamping on that shot again. It's like, that's really fucking clever. That, that so easily sells the scale of these creatures and again, Gamera's not like 500 feet tall like all the fucking kaiju are mm. these days. Back in my day <laughs> of the 90s, they were like 50 to 100 feet tall. And that's all we needed. 
Yep. <laughs> you spoilt kids yeah, and you spoilt fucking, kids yeah. and you I mean to used be fair, to walk your giant oh, Pacific it'll both room. way to our rocket turtles. I, I do love that at the um end of the first animated Godzilla uh Planet of the Monsters. Oh, it's like, God. oh we've killed it. And then this mountain moves and says, No, that's Godzilla. It's like, excuse me, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like we made one that's like literally impossibly large. It's like yeah. why did you do Put this? Planet to Godzilla and it's yeah. like a thousand feet tall. You're like, <laughs> what? Like, yeah. He just took over Earth. He can terraform entire planets. You know? <laughs> sure. Okay. So it's like Jack's like, it's as tall as a building. It's like, what kind of building? Uh, that one over there. Yeah. Ooh, scary. So Correct. Game. Yeah. But it is so much the, the the human acting, I think particularly in the first one, I think it does get weaker throughout the trilogy, like the human characters. But the human characters in the first one are so good, so believable, so relatable. And you also have this incredible sense of scale, the brilliant cinematography. And it all just comes together to just make this the movie that captured like my I would probably in about nine or ten when I watched the VHS, whenever mm. that was. Um, and then I was looking up like when was it released? And it was like DVD came out in 2011. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah. Japan. Yep. <laughs> Didn't come out for 15 years on DVD. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I watched it when I was a kid, and it would have run around about kind of like, as we always talk about, that turn of the millennium where VHS turned into dvd and all mm. that kind of stuff like it must have been a vhs and i texted my dad like do you still have the gamma of vhs he's like probably in the back room somewhere i'm like oh, my, my copy of gamma guardian of the universe might still be in my house somewhere worth fuck all probably yeah. at this point but yeah it, it's the film i very much grew up on that trilogy really kind of got me into the genre as a whole and then as i said later on in my years i was like I bet there's a bunch of stuff I haven't seen and I kind of did a big binge of going back and catching up on all this kind of stuff I hadn't seen. And it was my love of Gamera. Not much my love of Godzilla, to be honest. I was more of a Gamera kid because I'm a cool hipster. Contrarian. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, um, I absolutely love Gamera. Do you guys like Gamera? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Matt, do I even need to ask with your collection? I of... own them all. Y- yes, you do. Yeah, uh, Gamera is fantastic, also underrated, even though it's the second best one. Yeah. Um, but I think enough people... If you say Godzilla, he goes, oh yeah, Godzilla. If you say Gamera, people are like, what? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's the, it's the step through to my back room because you know what you're talking about kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I've had a conversation with uh, JFC, uh, John Firth Clark being the EP, uh, about this quite a few times. The Showa era box set is frustrating because the Showa era movies are hard to watch. They are very, they're hard to watch as a discerning adult. <laughs> if you're a kid, they're fucking fun. Mm. Um, they're very 60s. They're very showa. They're very of that era, basically. And they're very much a toned down, very silly. I mean, very famously, you've got the uh, uh, Gamera bump, jumping up and down on this shark with a knife for a face. And it jumps off and it finds a sort of pylon beam mm-hmm. and becomes an Olympic acrobat for a while, spins around <laughs> and like, whoo, whoo, whoo. It's like, what is this? Yeah. What is the, what, all the seriousness is gone. That's not like if you're a kid, you're like, yeah, yeah. this is fun. Um, and the 90s stuff just gave it a bit of weight, a bit of gravitas, a bit of, uh, just did it, treated it with a bit of sincerity. And the same thing we saw like in the early 2000s with comic book movies, it's like, well, just treat them like they're actual films. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, obviously. You still have Catwoman and stuff in there somewhere, but <clears throat> there are enough that's saying like, no, this is going to be like just a straightforward story, like X-Men. Mm. So like, like, well, okay, what's the element to it? Like, there's still campy elements, there's still bits and pieces, but it's just like, we're just going to do a movie here. Like, okay. And that Treating it seriously is what tended to... Not always a good thing. I'm not going to get down that road, but 
for this, for specifically for these movies, it's like, again, go back to what the first Gamera film is about. Because the first Gamera film, yeah, Hero for All Children, still kind of burning down buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more in this case that it's like, no, it's just, it's it's an animal. It's it's trying to protect us. And also it has a connection with this 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 girl with a rock and things. It's all kinds of cool stuff. The Gamera trilogy is great. Gamera in general is really interesting. Um, Dae producing this really cool, it's kind of stop start where you go and, and it kind of probably in a good way because you end up with the Daimajin trilogy it's three of them mm. um, uh, you get with the uh, the Gamera stuff in truth you only need the, the Heisei trilogy the, the one from 95 that Jack's talking about and it's two sequels you can buy that in a steelbook or just regular DVD mm. or Blu- Blu-ray DVD it's like boof you have all the gamma you need, arguably. Yeah. Um, it doesn't outstay its welcome. No. Yeah. And that's the thing. And mm. I think because they know they they like we only have X amount of money to get a surefire bet. So let's just get this out there and make it work. Um, yeah, Gamera's great. I love it. I recommend it. That's a good choice. I I would have easily picked it if I didn't want to have another talking point. But yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. And I know if I think somebody else wanted to. Pick I was going to say it was pretty much like a who was going to get to it first kind of moment because I think we all wanted to talk about it, right? Yes, yeah. I I very nearly picked it. Um, I was like, oh, I haven't seen it since like 1998. Yeah, I'd like to go back Did and rewatch you also it watch it on VHS when you were a kid. I think I have this memory of Channel Four oh. in the UK. They did showing, have a huge wave of like Jonathan Ross doing tons of just Japanese showing bits. a bunch of. Old Godzilla, Gamera stuff. I remember that as well, yeah. Um, and I think I watched a chunk of them then. That was basically all my... I, I don't have the same exposure to kaiju films that you guys have. Um, I've never gone through and kind of made my way through all of them mm. or, or whatever. Um, so I remember half watching a lot of them back then um, and being like, oh, okay, I'm going to... VH record this on the VHS because they're showing it at like 1am uh, and then watch it back the next day and maybe fast forward or I'm doing it while I'm doing something else so yeah, yeah. you know um, so yeah so I, I but I can remember seeing these films back then and being like yeah there's 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 a lot of like you say just very clever miniature work that just really sells the scale of stuff yeah. Think, things you now see in like uh, the Gareth Edwards Godzilla and Hideakano's uh, Shin Godzilla, whereby it's like, well, how do you want to enhance the scale? Show it from a human perspective. So, mm. what do you mean? I want them in the foreground, always a person, mm. or shot from that angle, so I can tell this thing is big yeah. and terrifying because I can see their reactions. And yeah. it's also, we have the technology to merge these things yeah. quite well now. Do it. And it's like Diamond did the same thing. It's, 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 and I think. Some of the show era gamma stuff did the same thing. It's it's, it's an idea like mm. if you it's a very difficult way to do it, but if you can do it, it sells it in a very different way to cut to one location of a quarry somewhere. Something. Like, oh my god, look over there! And mm. then you see, oh, it's some literally dudes in suits on a set. Yeah, um, it's what it is. But yeah, it's always whenever a new a new kaiju film comes out and someone says, ah, oh, but isn't when you know the classic ones when I was a kid? And like they've always been a certain level of of a jank. Mm-hmm. And you saying like, oh, I don't like that. I mean, the, the um, we talk about this obviously a lot in the and um, King of the Mon- uh, Planet, uh, sorry, King of the Monsters. So I won't go into it too much, but the idea of Godzilla versus Kong, the legendary one, it's like, mm. oh, it's really cheesy. It's like, it's a 
what are you expecting <laughs> yeah. here? Do you remember the stuff from the 60s? I've I have seen it. Mm. I know how it is. And I remember there's some seriously stupid... I mean, like when they say, like, oh, we've got this human plot's really dumb. It's like, they usually are. But mm. sometimes they're really good and engaging. But yeah. Anyway, so Gamera, Damogen, Tim. Well, Matt, if you are looking for jank and cheese... Oh, oh Tim. I've got some jank and cheese for you. Eight, eight loads of it? Yep. It's a it's an octo jank. <laughs> we call that a circle jerk in the biz. <laughs> um, so I the I actually uh, because I I don't have the same schooling uh, as you two gentlemen. I I sent I I was talking to Matt and I was like I'm really struggling for a pick here. Uh, have you got any recommendations? Oh God! I wondered how you found this, Tim. Yeah, that makes um, a lot more sense. And I, I you uh, trust this fucking maniac. I was like, oh, I could, I could do Mothra. I really like Mothra, but then it's you know that so quickly tied in with Godzilla, and we're trying to avoid doing Godzilla because we have already talked a lot about Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Matt gave me a couple of recommendations. He was like, oh, okay, there's this one. There's uh, Rodan from back in. 56? Rodan is one of those things I know we said with Godzilla, but it was its own thing to start with. And yeah. It's very much its own entity and its own existence. Um, so yeah, yeah. Or there's or there's this one. And I was like, oh, that's that's a very intriguing title. That's a title. Uh so my choice is Great Decisive Battle, the Super 8 Ultra Brothers from 2008. Exactly. Yeah. Uh for people who are not familiar. Uh, this is a film from the Ultraman franchise. Hell yeah. Uh, which essentially did a Spider-Verse slash yeah. uh, No Way Home yeah. uh, 14 years before Marvel did. Tokusatsu are always doing, like like with Power Rangers and Sentai. God, well, sorry, Super Power Sentai Rangers. Power Rangers is the same thing. Yeah. And Comrade's like, can we cross over where all of them are in the same? Well, yeah, the yes, Mighty Morphin meets the Dino Power, yeah. and then Mega Zeo yeah. crosses over here's, with here's Road every Rash Red Ranger, Ranger ever. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Saga yep. of the Red Ranger and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and the fact that Tommy the Green Ranger keeps popping up in all of them, and yep. then is like later he's a mentor to like the younger Rangers <laughs> and stuff. This Ultraman mad shit is not that. But it's mental. Yeah. So this mm-hmm. is a, a parallel universes and, and multiverse stuff has been a feature of the Ultraman series for a while. And for people who aren't familiar, mm-hmm. Ultraman was a TV show and movie series where it would be a, a kaiju-sized kind of robot man. Uh, Godzilla had one called Jet Jaguar. Yes. And this is a different one. Yeah. Um, Jet Jaguar who would be linked to a human uh, who was usually like a guy working at a space defense job yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and who would essentially protect uh, Japan from invading kaiju. Mm-hmm. Very much in, a, in your Super Sentai Power Rangers type way, except there was only one of him. Um, except in this case when there's eight. Yeah. Um <laughs> And so this is, uh, and like I say, the, the the series had already dipped its toe into the idea of like parallel universes, and had had many different versions throughout the years. Mm. And this film starts off essentially set in our universe, uh, or a universe where Ultraman is a fictional character. 
and you begin the film with three childhood friends in 1966. I was going to say, yeah, it's in the 60s. Yes, yeah. Right? yeah. Rushing home, they're like hanging out and having fun, and it's very, it's almost like a, a little like Japanese Stand by Me or the Goonies or something. Yeah, it's like, oh, look at us fishing and like, kind of like an Ozu film a little bit. It's like, oh, just yeah. kids being kids, chilling. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they rush home. Uh, or rush to one of their homes um, with the, the two other kids kind of coming for dinner to watch the first episode of Ultraman in 1966 mm. and going like, oh, it's so amazing. And then they continue having fun and, and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, we have these big dreams. One of I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be a baseball player, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, and then they grow up and it kind of flashes forward to... I. Th- what would have to be about 1996, except it's sort of 2008 at the same time, because yes. they're not the age, they're not the right age to be in 2008, because they'd be it, in their like 50s. It's the whole Nick Fury has seen the war. Which yes, war? yes, exactly. Yeah, what? <laughs> it's like well, he can't have been involved He's a with veteran. Yeah, of the war. Yeah. can't be. You know the one. You know. The same war as Cap, because Cap's been frozen for a lot longer than the yeah. comics. That he's <laughs> Punisher for. was in a war. war. <laughs> World War Two, Vietnam, yeah. Iraq. It's, uh, it's just very fortunate that America keeps having, having wars, wars, so yeah, we can Christ. keep sliding that time scale <laughs> yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's depressing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it catches up with these characters, and they're all kind of living fairly mediocre lives. Like none of their dreams have come true. One of them's a scientist. But he's Classic not, Japan. Yeah, he's <laughs> working where he wants just to be. Being an the, the, job. Uh, the one who wanted to be an astronaut is a tour guide. Um, yeah. And but then they there's this big mirage over Yokohama where they are, of like a post-apocalyptic version of the city. Mm. And the main character starts having these visions, these kind of dreams, waking dreams, visions of uh, being in the city and kaiju battles going on and seeing Ultraman. And he's also, in the course that we kind of catch up with, oh, it's his average day, he's running late for work. And there's various people around town that he's kind of saying hello to. And one's a baker and one one's a bike shop and stuff like that, um, that he just kind of makes makes a point of acknowledging. Mm. And as time goes on, he essentially realizes that his friends and these other people that he knows in town were all ultra men in other dimensions. Um, And now they are being invaded by kaiju in this world. And uh, the kind of current Ultraman who was on TV around this period, which is Ultraman Mebius, shows up. He travels to this dimension. Um, and is like, oh, I heard you calling for uh, supporting me, and you know, um, I know all these people because I I recognise them from when they were Ultraman, but they don't recognise me because they've never been Ultraman in this dimension. Um, <laughs> and then he gets uh, turned into a statue by one of the kaiju that attacks, and essentially it all culminates in these four older gentlemen who are all the actors who played Ultraman's human version. Mm-hmm. in these series across various points in time and these three younger friends who are also from a, a different era of the show there's the showa era which was ultraman ultra seven ultraman jack and ultraman ace among various other yeah, shows. yeah, that's all, yeah. and then the uh heisei era which was ultraman tiger ultraman diner ultraman gaia and then ultraman mebius who's the the, the kind of the current one mm. um 
And essentially, they all realize that they can turn into Ultraman and access this power. And they fight a bunch of kaiju uh, of various both good and bad designs. Mm-hmm. A lot of big just lightning effects and yep. yeah, big, and this big is fishy monsters. We talked yeah, about how like uh, Gamera does really clever work of like making you feel the scale. This is very much the like this is two thousand and eight. Yep. Like this is there are there is CGI that is very capable out there at this point. Yeah, like really capable. Yeah, yeah, and this is still. People in suits, uh, <laughs> After Effects quality laser beams. A lot of here's a shot of two men in suits beating each other up in a cityscape, and now here's a shot of a crowd going, "Oh my god!" Yeah, um, I love that when he's first having the visions, and like the the monster actually starts smashing through the buildings, mm-hmm. and you see it's just this big fishy monster, and it smashes through a building, and he goes like, it cuts back to him, it's just, there's no crowd, there's nothing, yeah. just a bloke on a pavement, and he goes, whoa! And rubble, <laughs> like, floats towards him, it's like, okay, yeah, that's the tone we're setting for this movie. This, yeah. is, this is why, I'm like, we're saying to Tim, like, you said, what, what can you recommend? It's like, oh, I got something for you, Tim. You can go <laughs> fucking buck because wild. We're, we're talking about, like, what happens in the 2000s? Like, they're still making stuff. Still yeah. popular. And Japan really likes it because I, yeah. I don't want to... Yeah, for yeah. as cheesy as this is, in the same way that there are some people who will watch No Way Home and go like, mm, it's a bit like, oh, here they are and they're all... Well, it's all three Spider-Man. It's a yeah, bit, yeah. you know. It made a butt-ton of money. Uh, up until Shin Ultraman, which just came out, this was the mm-hmm. biggest Ultraman film of all time in Japan. Yep. Um... And I mean, it's 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 literally the exact you said earlier that the nostalgia of like, oh, and you'd have generations of like parents and kids going along and saying, yeah. that's my Ultraman when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. and then kids playing with the same toys and stuff. That's, it's that's it's, my one, the weird cross-eyed looking one. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I do like, because obviously this is about Kaiju and Ultraman is a big city destroying thing. But technically, on our side, yeah, in the same way Godzilla sometimes is, and, and yeah, yeah, Gamera yeah. and things like that. The kaiju designs in this, they do really run the gamut. <laughs> there are some really interesting ones. Um, King uh, Gusara, who's oh, this kind yeah. of fish-faced one. Uh, King Pan, uh, Pandron, uh, who has uh, is a t- kind of has these like two sort of bird heads going on mm-hmm. um and uh king goldras who's got this kind of lumpy golden armor uh were some particular favorites of mine i think there's about uh all together there's about seven kaiju but there's there's kind of five who are the focus including the three that i just mentioned there and then of course at the end uh once once some of the uh ultramen have activated they they manage to defeat the the kaiju that they're fighting mm-hmm. and wouldn't you know it the kaiju combine into one what? ultra kaiju. It's it's so stupidly fun. G- I mean, it, Giga Chimera. Yeah. Um, and, and this all is the, like the the like dragon kaiju spirits start floating about yeah. and stuff. And it, like, it looks like that okay. bit in uh, Ghostbusters when the uh, the containment yes, fails does, and all yeah. the spirits yes. come out, and then you get some real PlayStation Two CGI <laughs> graphics of this. Admittedly, it's quite a cool design in that it's this kind of like floating combination of all of these creatures that they fought. Mm. But 
Oof, there CGI is, is fucking awful. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's fucking awful. It, 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 it is Don't truly try. ropey. Also available for free on YouTube. It folks. is also on, on YouTube. It is You're also welcome. about 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, I can tell you right now, it is one hour 37, including like three minutes of credits. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. Um, but there is even not having the grounding that, that some people do have in the Ultraman f- franchise. There is something very joyful about it. You can tell, like, and there's stuff like the careers that the the older characters have around town are all based on like passions of theirs that the act, like the act, like oh, this actor went on to become to own a restaurant. So in so in our film, he owns a restaurant mm-hmm. and he's working with his wife, um, and and all kinds of things like that. There's a lot of continuity nods that even without knowing what they're referencing necessarily you can feel the affection for this series and it really is a love letter to ultraman across the ages um Mm. and they like ultraman himself apart from the cross-eyed one (laughs) is a really great design and the the, seeing the iterations of it yeah it's very cool to see them all together yeah Mm -hmm. you understand like why it is this iconic character why this franchise has survived so long um so yeah, it is very cheesy. Uh the CGI is terrible. <laughs> the uh the sense of perspective and the size of various characters is all over the place. But if you are just looking for kind of like something uh very pure-hearted, uh I do I do actually recommend it because it is is fun. Yeah, it's it's a heartfelt love letter as you say and it's kind of why it's really good tech. We can talk about like you know Diamond and Gamma like they in sixties and nineties like, pushing pioneering mm. stuff and really interesting. It's like you need to also know what actual kaiju stuff is. Yeah, because while we're talking about the heights of it, and this is the key thing here, it's like as and I'm I'm glad you got on with it because I was like when I was sending like oh Rodan's a good example and I thought I mean this is Ultraman and it's this the is best the, Ultraman the hand, yeah and yeah. it's. I wouldn't say it's a good film. <laughs> it's it, it's it has enjoyable. Made, it has made me <gasps> without. I'm not going to go back and watch other Ultraman. Damn it, Tim! Tim but you I come do, with me to say Shin, Shin I Ultraman. do kind of want to see yeah! Shin Ultraman now because I'm fascinated to see what they do. Oh, we are fucking with right. that concept. Se- Sequelizes day out. day out. Shin Ultraman. Oh, I'm so yeah. fucking happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that thing where you book your tickets. To I've seen it three times by then, but it's fine. God damn it! <laughs> but either you're there on like opening minute with me, or you're not. <laughs> um, yes. yes, we'll be there. Oh, well, good, good, good. No, but that's that's good because it is. You're right, Tim. It's that idea of like, well, I'm gonna watch a kaiju thing. It's like you do know part of the charm of it is that it's shit. Yeah, I was like, that sounds dumb. It's like no, 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 because and it, you say the nods and the things and the, the back and forth and there'd be there, I can guarantee there's so much TV tie-in where like songs and commercials and trailers mm. and ads and because um Japanese commercials um as uh, uh, JCMI, I think it is, there's a, there's a, a YouTube channel which does mm. a lot of like just Japanese commercials, records them all off TV and puts them all on YouTube. And actually, quite cool as a sort of indicator. You know, you're like, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Tommy Lee Jones and these ads and things. And there's always a tie in with a new big film. And you're like, yeah, because like we do over here, it's just, just fascinating to see it. And you know, that's the exact kind of thing where like you can get that weird tie on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, we've done our Japanese selections. How about some uh, alternate kaiju? Let's piss some people off. Uh-oh. Let's get controversial. Uh, there's no way to ease you into this. I'm just going to fucking say it. Shai Uh The Sandworms in Dune. 
<laughs> People are going to be so annoyed. So, you even clarified this with us beforehand. You're like, can I do Dune? And we were like, yeah, they're big. They're really big. <laughs> if you're happy big. to take the flack for it, yeah. then you can do it. I can. And I'll wait for that Discord to fucking light up. Come at me, you fucks. Well, they will. So, uh, much like a lot of kaijus are born in the 50s and 60s, so too was Dune. Um, that's my first link. Um, no. Wow. For those who need to know, uh, Shagalud, uh, or the sandworms of Arrakis, are the giant literal sandworms uh, in the film's Dune from 1984 and now 2021. Kind of. Um, in 1984, there were like these big 20 foot long models and there were a mix of practical effects and miniatures and blue screens and they're very cool, but let's face it, they're very phallic and very weird, kind of creepy looking yep. fucking giant dicks. And yep. again, they're, they're really hard to control. They were, they were, couldn't shoot them in sand, had to shoot them in like broken down bubbles of glass. Um, so, but they were, they, but there's something about, which I'll come back to later about the, the presence of the thing that's really, really cool. So very impractical thing. Not a dude in a suit, but lot of puppeteering nonetheless. Uh, 2021, CGI. All CGI. Uh, they're like big basking whales, effectively. We haven't seen much of them as yet because there's only one June part one at this point. And I actually timed this. They only appear five times mm. in June part one for a total of one and a half minutes. That's mad, isn't it? And all we're doing from the second the film oh. starts... All the fucking posters are just... Just show me the worm. Yeah. Yeah. Show me the fucking show worm. worm. <laughs> it's like, oh, they showed the worm in the trailer. Fantastic. Didn't realize that's all the thing in the film as well. Um, so, both are as much about their design as they are the impact on the land they appear in. And it's in, in design, it's just a big worm with a big toothy mouth. It's all kind of what it is. But time has been given to developing the impact of these things, how they move, the sand displacement, how it causes destruction. It's this giant force of nature it's it's worshipped as a deity it's both good guy and bad guy it's um later in the dune books which will be hopefully in theory in dune films if we're very lucky god it, it, it's also a, a god emperor you're right um <laughs> <laughs> and it gets a man's face yeah in it slash on it yeah the it, it, they're uh, little sand trouts that become a man uh as in later puts them all over his body don't worry about it but the point is that um the, 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 to my mind, if you want to say what is, what is a kaiju, what's a big, giant, destructive force rampaging through a city? That's what we would think of when we think kaijus. How's that not that? And you have that deeper element. So you've got like the idea of Daimajin, where it's like, what is this? It's an evil spirit possessing a rock and a statue. And it's a, 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 a force of vengeance and, and power and destruction but also to be revered and worshipped and, and, and adored as much as it is. And equally, when you get to other things like Godzilla and Gamera, it's also the balance and harmony of nature and man and et cetera, et cetera. And that's the same thing as June. I know I don't want to say spoilers too much for those who haven't seen or read, you know, a lot of the June mythology, but that's kind of what the, the Shahalud is. They're worshipped as gods. Yeah. Mm. They are... Um, they're also absolutely essential to not only... Uh, life on Arrakis, but human uh, space travel because of stuff. I don't want to spoil too much for those who haven't seen the the you know the various films and and stuff. But basically, uh, I I feel there's a strong connection, and also because they are so impossibly huge and terrifying and complicated 
and have this lore around them, this 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 mystique, this air of possibility. And you know, you have to do the sand dance, you have to walk through the desert because they have a they are they're drawn to regular movements in the desert. Um, in the same way that you know, you know, uh, in in all the Godzilla films, you've got various monsters drawn to nuclear waste or something like that. It's it's the idea that we're we're drawn to man's uh, deepest, darkest desires and sins. Effectively, it's it's all linked and tied in. So I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely it. And then they ride them, and then one gets a kid and becomes one. But that's not the point. So that's my second pick. It's a controversial one. It is, but I'm going with it. I think they're fascinating, specifically in the. The Denis Villeneuve Dune, mm. because they're fucking massive, mm. almost indescribably massive. Where the mm. you just get the look at the mouth, and it's like, oh, the mouth, that's a hundred feet wide. You're like, sorry, you want? <laughs> it swallows an entire massive carrier thing, and then you see the human scale where they go to the spice carrier, the spice harvester, and then you see the scale of that in the sandworm's mouth. You know? Yeah. Oh, these are on another level. It's not like a force of nature. They are essentially gods in Arrakis. It, it's it's moving landscape is yeah. what it is. The, the, the world changes because they're there. Yeah. And you see like, worm sign. And you think like, well, how, how the fuck are they going to see that? It's like, you can't fucking miss it. Yeah. Shit's they coming fast. Enormous. Yeah. And the fact that in both the Lynch film and, and the Villeneuve film, for when you see bits and pieces, when they first arrive, and they're first seen as uh, both times. It's terrifying yeah. because you talk, as I said, about that basking shark, about that that impact of the shimmering sand. You're like, oh god, there's no escaping this. Yeah, this is unless you can literally fly away, and even then, maybe not. It's it's haunting and terrifying and beautiful, which again is what a good kaiju is for me. That's like that 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 th- again. I talk about like um, Daimajin being an indestructible force. It's like, how do we stop this thing? Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't. It's its planet. You just yep. happen to be on it. Yeah, yeah. I think they. It's interesting also because it goes through that kind of that kaiju character arc almost. Yeah, where yeah. it's like this is this huge force of destruction that we just have to kind of contend with. It is part of the natural world, and we want to build a thing on top of it, but it is going to come across and destroy it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, no, 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 no. This thing is older than you, and you don't understand it well enough. And if you treat it right, it can be your ally and it can it can defend things mm, for you. Absolutely. But you have to understand that it is ancient and requires your respect. You can't just force it into Yes. Under your control. It has a sort of almost agency and almost sentience of its own. Yeah. It's not just a wild animal, yeah. it's a it's a thing. Again, yeah. spoiler for the Juden saga whatever you want to call sure they're essentially sentient like telepathic super mm, beings mm. don't ask it's a thing it's a, it's a thing in dune but yeah i find it so fascinating the way they handle it in the the villeneuve one i think you mentioned the shimmering sand and stuff yes the way it like liquefies the sand around their feet as it comes up mm. is such a nice touch mm-hmm. and such an extra little bit of like Oh, not only are you trying to escape, you've got to run like a hundred feet that way to even get out of the way of this thing. Yeah, the but ground you're, now you're running, running on is quicksand. unreliable. Yeah, 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 and it's vibrating, and when sand vibrates, that basically is what quicksand is, mm. and you start sinking and you start vibrating your way through it, basically. And suddenly they realise there's that jolt, and they all go like, "Oh, their feet start sinking," and they're like, "Oh God." 
it's yeah. here. You're in a giant sieve now, and it's like, yeah, oh, I'll just move. Exactly. Yeah. On what? With what? What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. And that moment, again, the shot they used on all the posters where it pauses in front of Paul. Oh, you terrifying. just see this penis thing. Yeah, this <laughs> big phallus just there with all its teeth and mm-hmm. the sparkling spice around it and all that kind of stuff. That's just glorious. Yeah, epic. Stuff. Terrified and, and so curious about the next film. Yeah, me too. Because there's so much they have to do and it's like, because it's like, imagine you had a Godzilla film. It's like, yes, we nailed it. Fantastic. What's next? Okay. 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 So what if next there's a little boy? Yeah. Okay. What, what happens then? The, well, the little boy lives for like thousands of years. Okay. And everyone's been worshiping Godzilla, so he makes himself into a little Godzilla, but with a human face. It's like that's sound, that sounds fucking stupid. Yeah. Welcome to June. He's also telepathic and has all the memories of everything. Yeah, all the memories and the future sight and all that and bollocks and yeah. Good lord. Anyway, yes. Jack, hello. What outrageous thing do you have for us? I do have an outrageous one. I'm glad you asked, Matthew, because I'm not in Japan anymore. I'm not oh. even in America. Oh goddamn. Or Britain. There's nowhere else, surely. In terms of cinema, where else is there? The moon? Norway. It's basically the moon. I love this film. I love this film too. I'm talking about 2010's Troll Hunter. Troll! Troll! Fucking love this movie. It was around that era, we talked about Cloverfield earlier, that kind of era, late 2000s, early 2010s, when found footage stuff was using... Like it was used in a different way and blended with other genres. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you do a found footage kaiju movie with Cloverfield, I'm like, oh, that's so fucking clever. And then this ha- adds another twist to it, which I think is fascinating. In that they're basically like storm chasers or the you know those nutters that go around searching out like tornadoes and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But they're troll hunters in Nor- in Norwegian forests and tundra and stuff, and it's this weird thing where it's almost got the kind of mythical, weird fantasy kind of stuff of Daimajin mixed in there, where they talk about like it can smell Christian blood and all this kind of stuff. You're Christian, like, you're Christian, you're Christian. And then uh, one oh. of the characters is Muslim later on, and they're like, "Oh, I don't know how they're going to react to that." I'm like, "Wait a minute, what?" Like, so yeah, do, do, do the trolls have a concept of God? Do they know? <laughs> is it faith? Is it belief? Is it this one specifically? Is it's is it? Yeah. Is it? Can they smell a person's faith? Does is this objectively proving like different religions actually yeah. exist? Like the implications of this are massive, but the fact that they kind of go with again, it's the escalation that you see different types of trolls in this movie, and you get a really really interesting difference in design, and I really really appreciate how you get like the the weird three-headed one in the forest and then the bridge troll and then of course the big finale with the ice troll whatever they call frost troll whatever it is kind of the the yotna which Mm -hmm. is the yeah the ice giant kind of thing and they go from like oh it's pretty big it's like 20 feet tall and they talk about how they eat people and Mm -hmm. like one of the main characters gets bitten by one at some point and gets fucking rabies from it like there's a real it's so weird mixture of like real dirty grimy shit that these people who go out looking for fucking sasquatch or people oh, yeah, who yeah. chase tornadoes and stuff they're out there camping in the middle of nowhere hunting sasquatch and barely showering and there's this like real grounded dirtiness to the whole thing 
and the way it's shot as well like the found footage really plays into that and then they're just like that shit's out of lord of the rings that's really weird oh no that's a bit creepy and they have this uh, i remember how kind of how impressed i was with how scary these trolls are and how it could have very easily kind of been played for laughs or kind of dialed down a bit but i think the way they present them i watched a um earlier on this morning i watched a like compilation of like all of the sightings in a very similar way of like the sandworms have 90 seconds of screen time yeah, yeah. the trolls have four and a half minutes of screen time in this movie and again it's like an hour and 90 so like like 90 something minutes long yeah, yeah, yeah. but four minutes of screen time but they leave such an impact it's used sparingly and clever and yeah and and the thing is you're absolutely right, Jack. It's the idea that this could have been fucking botched and embarrassing and, and just awful. But when you're talking about things that are rooted in your actual mythology from the country it's from, you get it treated in a certain way that has a strange bit of reverence and understanding, but also an actual innate fear. And this is going to sound like such a wanky thing to say. I haven't been to Norway. Mm. Um, you go, if you sail down the fjords, you absolutely believe the things they believe <laughs> you're like yeah no this isn't natural there's no way this isn't just carved by giant beasts and all the rocks are ready to fall down onto you and there are things moving in trees that are impossibly tall and every port you get off at and every city you're in there's always like tons of troll merch obviously it's a big thing there for them but they're not what you think about you know we think there's like you know lumbering things like no it's a old craggy looking man with a big ass nose and it's like well that's cartoony and silly and then yeah. you see it moving like snarling like oh that's fucking nope yeah nope nope not that, that so it's the attack on titan thing again like that's dumb oh no fuck off no yeah. no 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 yeah, exactly i think there's there's such good design in it the choice of shots again kind of coming back to my love from gamma in the 90s through now to the early 2010s like the choice of having them obviously they react to the uv light we know from like lord of the rings and stuff like oh sunlight turns them to stone yes that's not always the case. Sometimes they gorily explode, which is real gross. <laughs> yeah. And they get all the people get covered in gore and stuff. So it's got that real kind of like, like you said, that mythologicalness to it. The whole like they can smell a Christian's blood is part of the folklore and the, the mythology mm. of these things that is so tied into like Norwegian culture. Mm. And the fact that, yeah, they have the balls to turn a folklore thing into a found footage kaiju movie. I'm like, how the fuck do you combine <laughs> how is that sentence a thing that exists and it's not a big pile of shit the fact that it's made on such a low budget and mm. it was so such a like labor of love from what i understand from a lot of the creators yeah really kind of shines through and you can tell that people really gave a shit about what they were doing and they weren't just being like oh we'll cash in on the whole found footage thing because as we've talked about many times before you can cash in on horror stuff so fucking easily. Yeah. You do low budget bollocks, you do a found footage thing. Oh, it's paranormal activity mm. 56. You know, fuck mm. off. Single location and found footage? Oh, great. Exactly. So cheap. Exactly. And yeah. this feels like it's a case of like, we want to do this because it actually it's a good way to tell this story. Yeah. It's not just it's a cheap and easy way to tell a story, although it is. It's the best way to tell the story because mm. it means you don't get a good look at these things we save all the money. And you shouldn't get a good look at the trolls because. That's kind of the point. It's yeah. this terrifying presence and thing. And it's the world building behind it is magnificent. Mm. It's yeah, it's I, I I really like it. Yeah, it goes back to the 
why Blair Witch Project works. Yeah, yes, type stuff, but from a completely different angle. Yeah, mm. definitely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I was thinking of choosing this, I was like, ah, is it a kaiju movie. And then I rewatched like the final scene with the with the with the yacht and, the and stuff, and I was like. He's like 80 feet tall. He's a fucking kaiju. He's yeah. absolutely enormous. <laughs> he definitely counts. There's moments where they're driving their like Land Rover thing across the tundra and his foot just comes down next to him and the whole thing shakes. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's a fucking kaiju shit. That's Godzilla <laughs> shit right yeah. there. It's like, why do we have all these pylons? Oh, the government have been building them to keep these things in. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. It's like, they're not for power? No, they're not for power, you idiot. They're for keeping these things yeah. in a certain place. It's like, well, they see them all over the place. It's like, oh. And yeah. it's the thing that like, Godzilla does the same thing. Yeah, brilliant, mm. brilliant stuff. Yeah, love Troll Hunter. Like I said, one that I think is a real hidden gem. A lot of people probably don't know about it because it's Norwegian cinema and stuff. Because it was low budget, it didn't get a wide release, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Really, really recommend you go and check out Troll Hunter if you want to experience something that's kind of unique and weird and cool and Norwegian. Yeah. Tim, speaking, polish us off, sir. Speaking of unique and weird, hello. I have something that is undeniably a kaiju movie. Oh. But is also fundamentally different to pretty much any other kaiju movie out there. I love it. Okay, I absolutely agree. Uh, I am talking about the 2016 film Colossal, uh, directed by Spanish director Nacho Vigalondo, uh, and starring Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis. Um, As many times before, 2016. Oh, what a year for film! It's good, yeah, good year. For this was movies. one of my favorite films of this year, and that's genuinely saying something. Yeah, because 2016 had some. God damn hits. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it is a very, it struggled at the box office. It did not make its money back. No. Because it is one of those films where you're like, how the hell do we market this? I do not <laughs> envy the people marketing this film. Essentially, what it is about is Anne Hathaway stars as an alcoholic writer who goes up with a break, uh, goes through a breakup with her boyfriend who's played by Dan Stevens um, from. Downton Abbey and a bunch of other stuff Mm. um, and moves back to her childhood hometown uh, in kind of semi-rural New Hampshire and ends up kind of reconnecting with an old boyfriend uh, and some old friends from kind of high school period uh, and basically is just ends up working at this bar with a bunch of other alcoholic, semi-alcoholic kind of lay about people it's it's the classic gone through a breakup i've gone home and i'm kind of a fuck up yeah i got my fuck up friends yeah yeah uh and 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 she is it's a really good performance by anne hathaway um that is comedic and tragic at the same time mm. um and so yeah she's just kind of going through this bad period in her life and then she discovers that when she walks through a particular uh children's play area at a certain time of day on the other side of the world in Seoul, South Korea, a giant kaiju appears and mirrors her actions. <laughs> what a fucking premise for a yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. And obviously the first time this happens, she has no idea and it just become it, it's this thing that just becomes like global news but also she is in a situation where she is not particularly she is not paying attention to the news that much it's just like this background thing of like oh my god this fucking giant monster just appeared out of nowhere in south korea it's like okay but i'm hung over yeah <laughs> um and then she realizes that it's her 
and it becomes this kind of like source of fun almost uh and then she realizes the kind of implications of it and the film goes in some interesting directions from there and i don't want to spoil it because mm. i heartily recommend it to people i have no idea if it's streaming or whatever out there i have a look i've not seen it yeah so I'm, I'm very uh, intrigued for those who are following me on tiktok of all things uh, I, I do a thing where I, you know, say a number and I'll show mm. you my Blu-rays. One of those numbers was Colossal. And the marketing hasn't gotten any better because the cover of that Blu-ray is fucking terrible. Mm. Um, and I was just saying it's a single disc edition of the Blu-ray. It's great. And I recommend it. But again, other than buying it, I don't know how easy it is to actually watch it. Yeah, it is not currently on any streaming in the UK. It's frustrating. You, you can rent it on all the usual places. Yeah. But for free streaming, it's not currently available do what you will with the internet and stuff but <laughs> yeah if you need to say the high seas you go Yar. Yes. but also it's a good film yeah. I, I, I reckon I backed Tim's endorsement wholeheartedly yeah and I spoke earlier about like there's a limit on the f- number of things that you could have kaiju be a metaphor for mm-hmm. um, they tend to hit the same kind of things and this takes a completely different tack on it because it is an extremely personal kaiju film it is where the kaiju is essentially about the ka- the kaiju is a metaphor for heartbreak and trauma and regret and all the things in life that you know you're fucking up but don't w- keep putting off dealing with yep um which is so different to every other kaiju film um and kind of only works because it's happening on the other side of the world. Like there is that removed from it where these characters aren't worrying about being trodden on by this monster. It just becomes this weird thing that they're manifesting. Um, And it's such a clever way of telling this particular story in a way that take takes what could be this very not that the film is like this but you can imagine a film that tries to do tackle the same thing without the kaiju layer and it mm. would just be like a depressing film with with nothing that's just like bleakness yeah. and people being awful to each other just a, just a very as you say very bleak very miserable case study yeah. just like oh um, Christ and by adding this kind of almost surreal element hyper real element to it extraordinary supernatural element to it it just throws this whole spin on the whole thing that elevates it to something very different it's got great performances like i said anne hathaway is terrific in it jason sudeikis is great in it um it's got tim blake nelson in it he's mm. really good Love me some tim blake yeah nelson. the cgi um, is good the CGI is good. The monster design is great. It's really a really interesting, interesting original-looking kaiju that manages to. It doesn't look like Anne Hathaway, uh, <laughs> and it does. It doesn't look like any other kaiju. It has a. It has a great combination of being. It can go from like threatening to non-threatening very quickly because a lot of the time it just has this. Because she's drunk a lot of the time when she's doing it, mm. it has this just kind of like dumb, vacant stare and. It it just it, it's comic almost yes um and yeah I, I I will not say more because I don't want to spoil the film for people who haven't seen it I I genuinely recommend it I think it's a really interesting film mm. uh, that did not do at all well at the cinema because it's so hard to say 
what it's about without it sounding like the dumbest film that there is. And it's yeah. not. It's it's really great. Um, and it's a kaiju film. So with, there. A, with a twist. With a twist. I'm glad it's not just Godzilla copied, you know, like she's transferred into basically Godzilla's body. Yeah, yeah. I know there was... You mean a Chris Pratt Mario film? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I guess now I'm here as Godzilla. <laughs> Great. So that happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God damn it. I'm dreading that fucking movie. It's just going to be isekai into fucking Mario world. I hate it so much. Yeah. But yeah, I, I've seen the design of the kaiju and I've seen the trailer. And that's it. And I don't know anything else. Don't anything else is going. And now I'm very intrigued to go. Hopefully you listeners will also do the same and kind of you're inspired and intrigued to go and watch some of these movies. Like I said, some of them are hidden gems. Some are available for free Mm -hmm. on YouTube. Weirdly enough, the most modern of all of the picks and the most like American produced of all of them (laughs) pretty much, apart from Dune, (laughs) is the hardest to get hold of, which is is weird. Yeah. And Sometimes like, it be that way. Exactly. Exactly. Get you some physical media. Exactly. Yeah. Go and check out Gamera, Damagin, Dune, Colossal, Troll Hunter. Get them all down in in your veins, people. There's some some good recommendations. I think There's a wide one range that, of uh, that that Jack missed off there. I don't know if it was intentional or not. Eh, I mean, no Ultraman I, for you. If you if you <laughs> grew, if like me, you grew up on like Power Rangers and stuff. I think. Um, Ultraman, taste. yeah, Ultraman Eight Brothers, Super Decisive Battle, or whatever mm. the fuck it's called, is a not a good starting point. Probably, <laughs> it's a bit of it diving yeah, the deep yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, I get that. This is fair. It's fair, it's fair. But yeah, I think it's still worth it if you if you're in the mood for some big silly Japanese bollocks, then go for it. <laughs> Kaiju walks through the streets and it does like a Michael Bay style thing. It's like I'm at the Giants. Yeah, monster scroll. <laughs> the giant silly Some Japanese, giant bollocks. Japanese bollocks. Yeah, exactly. Well, folks, I'm sure you will have plenty of opinions about some of our controversial choices. Please do let us know on social media. We are sequelizers on Twitter and Instagram. You can, of course, join the Discord. A lot of post-show discussion happens on the Discord, so you can go to sequelizers.com and find the links for the Discord, the shop, the Patreon, the live streams, which we'll be bringing back very soon. I'm, I'm working on a new format for the live streams. We'll have some guests. It will be not tournament bracket stuff, but something mm. something I think you'll like. And the I, three, I'm the, very excited. The three of us have agreed on a format, mm. and I'm going to come up with some drafts and some ideas mm. and stuff. So, And we, we may go back to the, for, uh, the, the tournament yeah, eventually. We'll give it a break and we'll come back to it yeah. at some point, but this, is, this new idea is very, very cool and exciting. Yeah, yeah. And something like we it. continue into the... Uh, Long term, do a lot of collaboration with a lot of podcasts and YouTubers we like and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I am JLW Chambers on all the social media. If you want to come and follow me, I talk about SEO and wrestling and D&D and films and all kinds of stuff. Come and follow me. It's a, it's a grand old time. Matthew, speaking of grand old times, okay. how can we follow you on the internet? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z uh, on all the social media platforms. You can go to theredrighthand.co.uk to read my reviews. You can go to cheesemint.com to see the things that I make and you can search for the BBG Wrestling channel and under there, there's Sumo Drop for my coverage of Sumo Wrestling. Tim! Uh, if I want a series of scientists to explain to me all the various moves and where you are and track your radiated movements across the world, oh. what would I search for? I'm a big monster, <laughs> and I live on trivia underscore lad on Twitter. <laughs> That's my monster voice. <laughs> it, it's kind of like 
Cartman meets Adam Sandler. Yeah. I kind of love it. <laughs> I mean, that sums up Tim's Twitter presence. I think Cartman meets Adam Sandler. Jesus Christ. As far away from the energy the, I try to put into the, the world the as polar possible. Opposite of Some Tim angry vibes. monsters, eh? Yes, exactly. Well, like I said, go and follow us on all the usual things. We will have the finale of the interseason and season 11 kicking off very soon. So like I said, if you do want to get the movie commentary and all that kind of stuff that will be happening with episode one, go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. But until then, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back for the finale and then season 11. It's uh, it's something very different next week. But it there's is. also a little connection ah, in there. I know exactly ah, what you mean, Tim. Ah. It's your fault. It is my fault. It is Tim's fault. Tim's been yeah. linking these things. Yeah. Not me. I don't think. Probably me. The Ultraman episode coming next week. <laughs> <laughs>